This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Ross with Longley Fertilia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Enjoy. For the record, my, my child does not watch Tarantino movies. Just so everyone knows. I feel like you would put them on and force her to watch them. No, man. That's messed up. But we did make her watch The Parent Trap, the Lindsay Lohan version. And she was like super against it and didn't want to watch it. And now she loves it. Because that's what we watched when I was a kid. Yeah. So we're like, you haven't seen The Parent Trap? She's like, no, what's that? Go change that today. Yeah, now she's hooked. So, uh, anyways, this is THP number 188. I am Justin Smith of Palmetto Exotics. As always, I am joined by Mr. Jacob Bratz of Long Toe Reptilia. Well, I can't introduce myself. <laughs> so that's what we're, that's what we're doing now. And I'm now I'm Long Toe. Okay. Wow. Whatever. Well, I guess the less I talk, well, the what you right? got? Okay. Uh, oh no! Yo, you got it, man. We're okay. good. Roll, roll yep. it. Jacob, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob Bratz of Longleaf Reptilia. This episode is brought to you by BlackBoxCages.com. Uh, we need to plan our our great voyage up there. Yeah, I've been wondering. I'm itching. To do that. Yeah, we gotta gotta get that figured out. I guess it'll be nice this round because it won't be snowing. Yeah, it won't be snowing. Yeah. Um. I don't know about what it's what it's like up there, but it's starting to. So it's been hot here, and then it's supposed to cool down again tomorrow and this weekend, I think, which sucks because I was really hoping we could hit Donnelly on like Saturday or something. Um, but I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like if it's supposed to still suck. So yeah, unfortunately, because this weekend would have been would have been great for it. It might heat up enough though to get them out, get some stuff out, something. Um, if we get cause... there and they're still cold, they can't run from us. Logic. Everyone right. might be. I'm. I'm playing chess while they're playing checkers. <laughs> I was actually. The snakes out can't there. run if they're frozen. That's right. I was actually out there. Do 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 do. Last Sunday, I, me and my girlfriend went for a drive. Oh, I was about to say, fool! You didn't even tell me you were going. Out no, we just did like a quick ride around on a thing. We went on a you know little walk down one of the trails. It wasn't one of my personal. You know, snake trails, but yeah, dude, that's a, a place where you could spend like an entire day out just and you wouldn't even touch you wouldn't even touch it. Man. Yeah, that's the thing, it's so big, there's it's so vast, like there's it's endless, you know. Although I did see a path that I really wanted to go down, it's in like the middle of a bunch of longleaf pines. Is it shit. a dark one? Yeah, I hope not. Nice and dark. No, it's, a, it's pretty open forest you know it's like a longleaf forest but i mm-hmm. saw a path that like just shot down in the middle of it and i was like oh yeah yeah oh, man like being when we were there last like the first time that i went out there with you i just i couldn't help but just look at it like it was it was somewhere more exotic than, than yeah up carolina like there's like <laughs> i just think about it in terms of like that's the kind of stuff that i'm sure people in like guys like Nipper and you know our buddies in Australia and stuff probably see that and they're like, man, that would be so cool. Like I don't, I've talked about it a little bit and I just I don't know. I look at like native stuff, be it habitat or species now, 
through a much different lens than I used to, to where now I have a much better appreciation because it's like our stuff is very cool. And just because we might see it on a regular basis, like you think about the fact that there's someone somewhere that would absolutely kill to be in that position, like the garters that I found, you know, it's like, I haven't seen a garter in a long time, like a good looking one at least. And I just remember sitting there staring at it being like, like, well, I wasn't like over the moon about it or anything, but I was like, that was still was a nice little find because I just hadn't seen one in a while. And it was like, man, I bet you there's some guy over in like Austria or something that's all about some garters and would just that brief moment would be like highlight of a trip for them. And I just, I don't know. Like, and I think corns are a perfect one for that, you know, Mm -hmm. because corns are some of the most beautiful snakes in the world. You know, and then people from out of the country who can never see them, you know, I can only imagine seeing one, you know, in the wild would be just incredible. You know, I remember the first corn snake I found was freaking awesome. I'm sure it's like ball pythons. Like the people that are catching ball pythons and shipping them over here are probably like, yeah, more of these things. But think of how many people. I would lose my mind. Love to go over there and just see like something you see every day in PetSmart. Just to go when you're going and getting crickets, something you just you walk by daily, and then there's just something about seeing it outside of the box, you know. That's just like it's different, man. It's it different. is. And you know what's funny is I went and flipped that tin again. Uh, what was it? What's today? I think it was Monday. Because I went by to check on top off stuff because I have the ASFs now, and so I wanted to make sure that they were. They see what rate they were eating and stuff at, so I could kind of make sure I stay on top of them because I don't know or if they eat, eat or more. Eating each other. Yeah, or eating each other. Um, and I went and flipped the tin because the weather was really good, and I was like, I'm gonna. I went and looked, and that same female garter was under the tin, and no right next way. To her was a little male right next to her, and then that same racer was under the tin again. So like two of the same snakes no that I've seen way. the last two weeks in a row, and then a third one. We're all hanging Dang, out under this tin together, and I was kind of surprised because I was like, "Buddy, that racer would eat you in a heartbeat." Wait, they were under meal. there together. They were under there together. So there was there's three stacks, all three sheets. You know, I lifted the top sheet racer, lifted the sheet under that garters. Uh, but I was like, that guard, that male garter was small, and I was yeah. like, "Buddy, that racer will have his you way apart. with you." Yeah, yeah. that's so really the cool. The female man. took off. You know, the racer just kind of like went between the sheets as it was standing up and like, but yeah, it was that same female garter. Cause the same, same size, same color, um, kind of damaged tail a little bit. And then that racer had to be the same one. Cause it was like the exact same size. Yeah. So that's cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, do, I don't. I, I, okay. All right. Thank you. Where is your mother? <laughs> yeah, no, man. I've got the itch bad for some field stuff, man. I was really hoping when me and Kayla went out the other week that we'd find something just on the road or walking around. But, you know, we saw a ton of gators, man. I'm talking really? a ton. Mm-hmm. Which is that's always cool. I love seeing gators, man. I saw one that they had the water drained out of one, and it was in water, but it was really muddy, and it was like walking through this no, half water, man. half mud, and it just looked really cool. Uh, Neighbor but... saw a coral the other day. 
I saw you saying something about that. Oh, man. And then someone, so there's someone on Instagram, I guess, that lives in our area. I don't know if it's down here up in Charleston, but they were in Buford and they post on Instagram a coral they found. <laughs> and I messaged them. I was like, Buford one time. Yeah. And I was like, I messaged them asking, you know, where at in Buford were you? Because like I'm on Ladies On and these things are everywhere. I just never see a live one. And I never got a response. I don't think it's even been read yet. But <clears throat> um, yeah, neighbor saw one at like 1230 in the afternoon. And so I think that was the same day that I went and checked on mice after work, flipped that tin, saw that stuff. And I was like, I can feel it. Today's going to be the day that I find that damn coral. So I went to that same neighbor's property and poked around with their permission. Saw nothing. Uh, I saw a box turtle, though. That just was cool. Just fine. happened to look I down, and there was a little that. box turtle. I think it was a male. Haven't seen one of those in a while, too. So I picked it up for and accosted it for a little bit. And then it, of course, boxed up. And I sat there for a few minutes, hoping maybe it would go back to doing whatever it was doing before I found it. And it didn't. It just stayed closed up and didn't move. It's like, okay, it's buddy. It's so funny. You can watch them for a while, and they'll kind of just like open it just barely yeah. so they can see out of it, and then they see you're still there, and they'll close a little bit more and be like, I'm going to wait till you leave. Um, yeah, this one was having none of it. He's like, I'm waiting till you're gone, gone. So Those are so cool, man. They are such underrated little turtles. We know? have they, some streamers so, here. So variable. Now, I, saw, I found one that was almost like black. Like I, I saw so one dark. a couple years ago here on Ladies Island. I saw one actually over by that Parker's on Sam's mm-hmm. Point as I was going towards sunset to head to work. And that thing was highlighter orange, like all over. I mean, wow. just like it looked like a freaking traffic cone. Yeah. And I moved it off the road because, you know, it was in the process of crossing. And I was like, it hit the curb. And so I was like, here, dude, you know, helped it over. Yeah. Those are, there's a ton of variation there and they are. They're super cool. They're really turtles, good man. looking, looking yeah. turtles. So. That's awesome. What's new with you? Uh, pairing up colubrids, man. I thought I may have had a gravid carpet, but now I'm starting to wonder if she actually is. Um, she's still being kind of weird. She refused to quail the other day, so that kind of made me be like, mm, maybe. You know, but she's not looking super huge. She's kind of been looking at her nesting box a little bit but nothing crazy so i don't know i may put the males back in with them and just see what happens um pairing up pituophis i've got literally i'm looking at them right now my albino florida pines are together my fork line gophers are together and then my you see any any action from them yet um i saw good signs um they both like i want to it seems like whenever i first put them in They'll kind of touch and they'll both start doing that little yeah. twitch, that little twitch yep. thing, you know, and then they kind of start to freak out. But the female was doing that like tail wag mm-hmm. deal with, and um, kind of lifting it up a little bit. And so that's I'm a, hopeful. That's a good sign. Yeah. And they're, they seem a little bit more movie today, you know, they're yeah. moving around a lot, but they pitch ovas are very aggressive breeders. Um, so I'd take the water di- dishes out for both of them because they just go kind of crazy at first. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've calmed down a little bit, but I'm waiting to waiting to actually see some locks. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you just because you don't see locks doesn't mean it didn't happen. Um, 
So I don't know. Um, the fork lines kind of took better for the, cause I, today was their first pairing or the first time I paired them. This is like the third time I paired the albinos. Um, and they seem to have taken a little bit better. The female came out of her, out of her humid hide and, you know, they were all prancing around in the tub. So curious to see what happens with them. Um, I was honestly worried the female was going to try and bite the male or something, man. She's a freaking sociopath. Um, but no, she was fine. Not even a hiss from her. You know, they seem to be, seem to be getting along. Let's see what they're doing right now. They're not locked up, but they're laying together. So I guess that's a good sign. That's good. Um, so we'll see, man. I'm actually really, so like my albino Floridas are definitely like my top most excited pairing this year. You know, I really, really want to make some albino Floridas. So that would be awesome. Um, but I'm actually also really excited about the forks because yeah, I've had those for a while. Like that's I've been a... I've raised those since they were babies, yeah. like little things. Um, and females been a psycho since day one. They actually were both really bad. The males calmed down a good bit. Um, but if you know anybody who knows about the fork line, so there's like high and low expression of forks, and these are considered like low base expression fork lines. Um, but you have like medium expression and high expression. And so like these could make medium and high expression forks and essentially you just get less and less pattern with them. I think the, the higher extreme patterns are basically patternless. Um, so I'm really curious if they go, um, what could come of it. Um, and the male is just an absolute screamer of an animal. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. And like I said, the gray rats, obviously, super stoked about those. They've been cuddling up a lot. So really hope those go. Um, other than that, I'm trying to move out quite a few animals, actually. Um, I've got... What up see, with them buckskins, boy? Paint shop's taking them. Damn. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I owe him I owe him forwards, backwards, and frontwards. So I was like, hey, man, you want these? So, buckskins are going to the paint shop. Um, I've got a pair of Everglades and that Hernando County corn. And a Pituophis going to Bill Bradley. Um, I've got a pair of yellows. You remember those South Florida yellows I got in Daytona? No. No. Well, I got a pair of South Florida yellows. It's the one, but I got a trio and I lost the female. She's AY. Not, not Rico. Not Rico. No, no, no. He's that. That was two years ago. Daytona. Last Daytona. I got it from Tony D. Um, yeah. They came from. They came from wild caught female, and they were captive hatched. I'm sending those out to um, my buddy Brendan, or that I've been talking to for a while. Um, so I'm sending those out to him. Then I got a few other things to move along. Um, if anybody wants some San Diego gophers, hit me up. I'm probably going to send those out. Um, a few other odds and ends, maybe a couple carpets, a couple more colubrids. Um, just looking to slim down a little bit with the second job and life. It's gotten beyond hectic and thought I'd be able to manage, but um, it's not going too hot. So I need to cut back a little bit, not because I want to, because I need to, you know, life, life is such. So. If anybody's interested in anything, hit me up. Might move a couple carpets, depending on 
here they go to a couple more Kluberts. I think it's only going to be one pitch you up is pairing the San Diego. So if anybody's interested in those, hit me up. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. A lot going on and a lot of moving parts and working my ass off. So yeah, I feel you. What about with you, buddy? What's going on? Uh, Ghost Tesser, a female, is grabbing as hell. No shit, really. So that that pod blood red male, I never saw a lock from him. Ooh. They they were cuddled up constantly, so I I figured he got the job done. I mean, I know last year when I when I put him with that pod blood red female, he he was he wasted no time. So I I didn't have any doubt that he would struggle yeah. this year either. Um, and the ghost tester are being proven. I mean, yeah. No. That was that was almost a no-brainer. So what? Is it, I know this might be a dumb question because I don't know corns. What's the potential there? Because there's a lot of recessive traits in that pairing. Is there not? Yeah. So they'd be het, um, ghost, and pied. The pied thing is weird because the pied. It's the like you get. So if you breed pieds together, you get more pieds but it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be more pied than the parents like you get varying levels of it I'd, it's it's a little confusing and it's strange but basically the pied sided thing doesn't necessarily play by the rules mm -hmm. of other genes so i'm honestly not entirely sure where that's going to fall in line um, well that's almost exciting then yeah, 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 and the basically because I lost that female, I ah, I sucks. did this pairing to to preserve that bloodline of, of his, you know, to some degree as best as I can. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end up holding on to, you know, at least two pairs probably of of stuff from that clutch, depending on what I get, and assuming everything goes okay. Uh, I actually need to turn the incubator on and get that ready because. I'd like to have that dialed in and ready to go ahead of time. <clears throat> so why don't you just take them in your snake room? What, the eggs? Yeah. I don't know. I just like the more consistent temperatures of things, and I don't have to worry about me trying to pick something up off the top shelf and dropping it like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of my, my most – my biggest concern is – accidentally dropping a whole clutch of eggs because I had to have them up high somewhere. And yeah, I hear you, you know, cause I know yeah. it'll happen. So if they're in the incubator, yeah. I can just take the flashlight and shine on them through the door and not have to worry about it. Yeah. I only ask cause a lot of people who do colubrids and keep their room yeah. at the NBA higher, but it's like, Oh, just stick them in the top shelf. Yeah, of the room. I, don't, oh. I don't know. I like having them in a controlled space. Yeah. I, I'll I'll incubate mine as well as long as I don't have python eggs in there. If I have python eggs in there, then it might be a different story. Mm -hmm. um, because python eggs need to be incubated a little higher. Um, but if I don't end up getting any carpets this year, then they'll definitely be going in the pager. So, yeah, that girl's definitely gravid. The original Ladies Island female that I paired with the Castagna Motley... She feels gravid. She doesn't feel as far along as the, as the ghost girl is. Um, I need to palpate her again this weekend and see if it's kind of if she's feeling more so than than she was last week. Uh, so that looks good. And then the Bairds, the hypo Loma to the or the hypo male to the Loma alpha female, um, feels like there might be something going on there. So 
We'll see. That's a, that male's a really aggressive breeder too, so I'm confident. Dude, he, he is done. he is so good looking, dude. Oh my god! Like I think those Barretts, like as far as albinos go, they are mm-hmm. just insane, man. They're so pretty. Yeah, he's he's proven himself a workhorse as well. So yeah, um, put rhinos together. The male's been trying like hell. The female's not been giving it up, but. Again, haven't seen any locks of any like definite happening. So, yeah. just kind of given those time, and I've contemplated whether or not I want to do the Dion's again this year or not. Right now, I'm more so worried about the female eating the male because I feel like if, <laughs> given that fiasco, feel like I can't feed her enough. And if she sees that male, he's just he's going to be toast because she's way bigger than him. So. I don't know. I may take the year off from those. I was planning on taking it, taking it easy this year. So I was going to pair nice. something to the that Buford County corn, the Shell Point one. Yeah, that is officially a male. A lot of <laughs> oh, that's years. right. It is a male. Yeah, that's right. So did you probe had, her? Probing? No. Well, I did probe male, but the sheds kept looking female consistently yeah and so finally i was like okay i'm gonna i had a like a loctite a zip zip lock tub and i was like i'm gonna put a male in here see what happens with this thing i'm gonna put a female in here with this thing see what happens and this was like two or three weeks ago and whether it was a male or female i really got no reaction i think i got more of a reaction from the smaller male that i put in with it wondering you know to see if it was a female um and it wasn't a it wasn't a breeding reaction it was more like a oh shit that's a bigger male kind of thing where that smaller male like immediately just like tried to go to the other direction um but then it shed and so i took that original ladies island female so i took something that i knew was proven put it in there and then put him in there and i'll be damned if he didn't immediately try to go for it and so i i pulled him before they he got anywhere close to a lock but that's definitely a male so Super male heavy on the adult corn side of things until next year. So, well, it's not a terrible problem to have. You got options. Yeah, I mean, if it, if if it was a female, then it was going to be one of those things where it's like I was going to probably pair that Castania Motley male up with that one too, or something. Um, but I guess that made that decision easy. Yeah. Um, but before we got derailed with that, blackboxcages.com, check them out, Facebook, Instagram, use the code THN at checkout, save yourself a little bit of money, and then head over to stevesnakesuary.com and get yourself the whole lineup of Venom Hot Sauce. Give it a shot. Copperhead, Coral Snake, Cane Break, Pygmy. Try them all. Cottonmouth is where it's at. Absolutely. Uh, we are here this week to talk about some feeders and other fun stuff. Uh, this week we are joined by Louis Batoe. He is, uh, you're in Texas, correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. How's it going, guys? Nice. Right here, man. That explains the, uh, the, the extensive collection of Texas stuff. There you go. What part of Texas are you in, if you don't mind me asking? I'm in uh, San Antonio. San Antonio, nice. I've been there a couple times, yeah. I lived in Corpus Christi for a period, and we went to San Antonio a few times. So. Uh, Corpus people. Okay, okay. 
No, no, I don't. It's not. I, I don't claim. I don't claim Corpus Christi. No. Why do you wrong. say it like that? I love yeah. Corpus because Chris, because Chris lives there. That's the only reason I love Corpus. It's spelled I, K-R-I-S-T-I. Corpus Christi. Yeah, Christi. Yeah, no, I I hated living there. Don't get me wrong. I hated that place. But it is, it's fun to visit. I wouldn't. wouldn't yeah, live there personally. It, it was cool. It was okay, but I, no, not not my. I'm just not a city kind of guy. I can't. I can't do the traffic. Every I time I think of San Antonio, I think of Phil when we were leaving Texas. So he had to like, he had to wait longer for his flight. I think to leave, he was like one of the last one of the group leaving Texas to go back home, and he just had time to kill, and I didn't have as much time to kill. And he's like, dude, let's go to the Alamo and check it out. I've been I, was like, I was like, no, man, I ain't missing my flight. Like over the Alamo, especially like I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry. Like I'll sit in this airport for three hours before I leave to go to downtown San Antonio or something to adventure. And then to find out <laughs> I'm going to miss my flight. Like, yeah, said, go for it. So he took an Uber over there or something. And he was like super gung ho about seeing it too. And he, got, <laughs> he either texted me or called me. He's like, there's like a line wrapped around the building to get in. <laughs> And then he's like, and I could see it from the street. It was like covered in like black mold. Oh, like he was just like appalled at the whole thing. He's like, and it's way smaller than I thought it was. <laughs> so he never even got got to like go actually see it. He saw it from like a distance. And he's like, dude, it was packed. He's like, it looked kind of gross. Like <laughs> he's like, I just I didn't even go. So I thought that was every time I think of San Antonio, I think it fills disappointment with the Alamo. I think that's many people's uh, when you take them down there. You live here long enough. That's the that's a place everybody wants to go see. You go down there. And it's, well, the weirdest uh, thing too is he told me because I thought it was like out somewhere. Yes, it's like <laughs> no. the dead middle of downtown <laughs> San Antonio. Yes, yeah. he's like, dude, it's like he's like it's like five miles away i was like are you serious i was like where he's like i don't know somewhere in the city I this I'm like, was like the desert or something yeah i thought it was literally <laughs> some, like a historic monument somewhere that they you know was tucked away out outside the city limits or something he's like no, no. dude it's like central park of san Antonio. <laughs> it's right there yeah i went to the alamo and i think i didn't have any like expectations of it my my dad came my mom and dad came visit me while i was out there and my dad my dad was stationed in san antonio for a little bit while he's in the military and um he wanted to go to the alamo so we went and, yeah we had a good time and stuff but i didn't have any expectations for it so you know it was fine it looked good from the airport but, uh... <laughs> um, yeah i don't know dude that was my first time like really being somewhere i was completely unfamiliar with and i was like i ain't leaving this airport Dude, I don't San, know where I'm going. San Antonio is cool, man. For a place, if you can go explore, you know, just like a city I want to go to the Texas. zoo. Yeah, dude, I went to, so, uh, Lewis, I'm sure you know about the New Braunfels uh, Serpentarium or whatever it's called. Yes, sir, yeah. Yeah, I went there. That place is freaking wicked. They got, I mean, some questionable care activities, but, you know, it was a, overall a pretty cool place. It's been a long time since I've been there. Yeah, it's been a, no it's been a long time since I was there too. So <laughs> it's been. I lived there in 2016, and I think I went there at some point during that time period. So. 
Yeah, I, I think I would. The last time I'd have been there would have been ooh, little little kid. Little kid oh wow, was, that was yeah, a yeah. long time. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking like probably yeah, two thousand eight something like that. Oh, I got you. Yeah, no, it was, it's a, it, that was a cool place. I enjoyed that. But yeah, what was your uh, sort of getting into herps? You know, we we give people the option of giving us the abridged version or the yeah. Cliff Notes version. Maybe those be the same things. I don't know what abridged fully means. So tell us as little or as much as you want. All right, well, we'll see how it comes out. Um, you know, one of my earliest memories of a of a snake was walking around the apartment in Conroe, Texas, and uh, flipping a flipping a rock and seeing a coral snake under that, and then and then. Uh, and then just, you know, be a little kid, just putting the rock back and being like, Whoa, okay. You know? And, uh, then after that, I, you know, just something I was interested in, but didn't follow up with it too much. And then I got older, moved to uh, San Antonio, went into a local pet shop and, uh, walked in there and just, uh, fell in love with a hairless rat. That's how it started. And then going in there to get the animal food and stuff like that. And then just kind of seeing the snakes. The first thing I ever wanted was a, uh, was a uh, what was it a uh florida king snake was the first thing i ever saw that really caught my eye so i and fed my hairless rat to my <laughs> <laughs> no no it took me a while to talk my uh, mom and letting me get one but uh once once that happened uh that the floodgates opened and so i ended up uh, starting off with a snow corn snake and then uh then some normal ball pythons and then het albino stuff and then i ended up volunteering at that pet store uh and i was there for uh eight years and really just oh, wow. learned a lot learned a lot uh uh yeah it was actually 10 years i was there all together so that was a uh, yeah started there when i was uh when i was eight and uh, we <laughs> started left when i was 18. nice see that's always that's something i've gone back and forth like even even my wife like i've been like I get these weird sort of I have these random moments where I'm like, I'm just going to I'm going to go for the like reptile zoo thing. I'm going to open a serpentarium. Dude, I'm going to I'm going to breed full. I'm going to breed full time. I want to do it so bad. And Katie is like. You can't like you'd go crazy like the people would drive you crazy. And I don't know if they would or wouldn't in terms of like, well, like a serpentarium, like there'd be people walking through, like knocking on the glass and like doing shit they're not supposed to and like. I'll handle all that. I don't I'll know. Deal, I'll I, deal with all those people. I see myself handling it really well and being over it very quickly. But was that? <laughs> did you did you experience that in your pet store time? Yeah, I I think it's one of those things where I think we always have to kind of remember that what we know isn't what the average person knows walking in. And so you have to treat every situation like that. It, it can be right. difficult sometimes, but, uh, you know, at the end of it, when you have someone walking out or after you get done talking to somebody and it's like, oh, they get it. Uh, that's pretty rewarding, but definitely something that I have found harder to do as time goes on. Yeah. I think a lot of it's just, it's, it's stuff that you would think is kind of like common sense. Like, <laughs> Hey, if you go banging on the, on the glass cage like the animal's gonna freak out a little bit and probably not like it my only thing with that now is like i feel like you know it goes back to when like we were kids and 
Finding Nemo came out and that little kid was pounding on the glass, you know, of the aquarium. And I feel like that's more nowadays since people was are her name Darla. More... Yeah, I think that was, <laughs> that was exactly what her name was. I think that, though, is more like a little kid. I'm not going to say adults don't do it. I'm saying I think nowadays it's mostly little kids that do that type of thing. You know, because I think it's pretty much well known to adults who know anything about animals in general that you don't tap the glass, you know. But, you know, maybe I could be. I'm I'm sure zookeepers would disagree with that. Uh, You're probably very right. (laughs) It's crazy. That'd be a really tough one, especially when you're dealing with species like, you know, the Riverbank Zoo has has bolins. Oh, God. It's like, for the love of God. You don't have to put your flashlight on to look inside the glass. Stop. Like, come on. But yeah. then those will be the ones that breed. And it's like, oh, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> they need to be harassed with flashlights <laughs> three times a day. Yeah, I harass my snakes every day. It makes them breed. <laughs> oh, man. So what's your current collection and sort of how has that evolved since you're, you know, getting into the your, your early days? And, yeah. Yeah, so uh, when I was younger, I think I did the the thing that everybody does, which is the Noah's Ark thing of one of everything, you know, and and just, you know, lost interest over time with that, where you have too much stuff and then you're working at a pet shop. It just, it gets too much after a while. And so, uh, but yeah, I, I kept uh, Baird's rat snakes back then. Uh, I kept uh, mainly corn snakes and ball pythons. I kept, you know, reticulated pythons. I kept uh, box turtles, a little bit of everything back then. Anything that was cool or pop up on a list, I would keep red sulcatas for years when I was a kid. Nice, nice. But uh, yeah, and then now uh, going, getting back into it as an adult, it's been a lot, a lot more fun because it's been very focused. Uh, I really enjoy that aspect of it where it's, uh, you know, just a lot of the same thing. Yeah, I noticed a lot of uh, a lot of alterna. I saw some some bairds, and then I think I saw some pituophis. And that is that sort of the the general focus now. You know, I saw subox too, which was yeah. My main focus is going to be uh, alterna and then subox in that order. Uh, the bairds I have I have two males. I have a uh, have a Comstock and a, a Juno Road. Nice, uh, and so. But, you know, those, those are so cool, just getting to see the change over time. And that was yeah. something that it, it's fun kind of seeing you pick up the ball and keep people entertained about them. Because when I was a kid, it's such a cool snake, but it was impossible to sell to people because they look at it and it looks like a corn snake. You know, yeah, and it's like, well, I could get yeah. this, you know, albino corn snake or this thing, which, yeah, those are cool. But it's going to look like a warship, you know, when it gets older right. with this crazy covered in lava. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially when you yeah. see, you know, what, uh, Tim over at vivid's doing where yeah. it's oh, th- those seeing those was mind blowing as a kid, you know? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. There's it's, it's, I still have days where I'll like take mine out cause the lighting will be good in the morning. And that's when I'll take pictures outside or reels or something before I go to work. And it's like, you get them outside, man, and it's like that gunmetal, and then just that fire orange right at the base of all those scales and stuff. It's just like God; these things are nice. Yeah, and my- just just when I think like I'm kind of like, you know, I'm good on bears. Like I pull those out, and I'm like, no, 
Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no, my first female, she was that looking back, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but just uh, how pretty she was. And, you know, she was a 68 inch snake. She was massive. And it was, you know, like, it was a very cool a, snake. A Baird's? Yeah. Baird's, Baird's are, a, are like, they're not a big rat snake, but they're a long rat snake. 68 inches? Holy shit. That's that's huge. That's like yellow rat size, man. That's massive. Yeah, she she was a monster. I wish I still had pictures yeah. of her. That was, that was so long ago. <laughs> wow. That's where'd yeah. your uh, where'd your Juno Road come from? Juno Road. <laughs> okay. Okay. Duh. <laughs> I got I got mine from um from Brandon McWilliams. And those things are starting to have some of that orange come in, and it's like, oh my god! And like I thought it had nose rub, just like the the first paraloma altas I got. That orange started coming in on the face, and I'm like, are you rubbing the shit out of your nose? Like what the Stop hell? It. And then I look, and I'm like, oh no, it's just on fire because of all the orange that you've got coming in. That's wild. Yeah, when I first found the, uh, in particular the Juno Road one, I, I thought it was going to be in a real dog, but it's really turned out to be a really nice looking animal. Nice. Yeah, I gotta get back out there, man. We didn't we didn't see much. Um, but dude, I wanna go to Texas and Herp so bad, man. I wanna go. That's it's it's the most fun. Uh, that, that is I think the thing I enjoy the most now about keeping is getting to go out there and go field herping. Uh, yeah, it's man. it's completely changed the way I do everything. It really will, man. The more you get into it, the more like you wanna reenact that in your enclosure mm -hmm. just says just because you can see them and like a, you see them in a completely different light when you see them in the wild you know and how they act and the different random places that you find them you know it's like you know i want to give you this well a lot of it you too know? especially when you're dealing with stuff like that you know it's easy to it's easier to replicate you know southwest texas in terms of that if you're setting up a you know a, a cage or something like that to mimic that I think it's easier to do that than it is to, you know, try and replicate as best you can, like a pine forest, New, New Guinea highlands, or you know, oh, something yeah. like that. You know. Yeah, and it's like you know, for me, there's the routes of going like naturalistic of like, okay, get as close as you can with fake plants and sticks and wood and all that. And then there's the route of you know doing um, what they do at. Um, I am Blodgett, Mr. Blodgett. Yeah. Yeah, going what he does and going with the, or Roy, going with, I can't remember, I don't know why I blanked on his first name. Uh, Roy, what he does with like going as far as like getting plants from that region and, you know, all that, which I think that's awesome, you know, but, you know, there's two different routes you can go with that naturalistic stuff. And I think either one can, is definitely, you know, acceptable and can make awesome enclosures doing it. So. Yeah, I think one thing that really stood out to me was just kind of looking at the uh, body shape and the conditioning of the animals that you mm -hmm. see. Yeah, it's so different than what you see in the average collection, you know. Yeah, they're not fat. Hmm. No, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. They're not. You know, and when you when you can sit there and you know, I've got to watch a you know big male subak chase a kangaroo rat, you know, and it's like you know you're watching it just. <laughs> haul ass ch chasing this yeah. animal 
And it's like, okay, you know, they're working for their yeah, meal. Yeah, now it know? makes sense. Hmm. You know, so. Yeah. You mean to tell me they weren't getting tong-fed Fresenthal lab rats? That's that's what you're telling me right now? That it seems, it seems so. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. And that's why, like, I'm... That's why I t- honestly tong feed. Like I do the whole like run around, like do 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 do, come grab it, you know, type of thing. Because I don't, I don't want to feed live. It's just not my not my thing. I don't enjoy it, and I know they can hurt the snakes. So I do I do try and do a little a little chase in the in the process, but you know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that, you know, and yeah. trying to keep them toned somewhat, do, doing something, you know, that you yeah. just you know even if you you built a really crazy cage you know are they still going to get that same type of movement that they would in the wild mm-hmm. you know right. they're probably not you know and and you know, obviously they do okay but you know we could we could definitely feed less I think. yeah feed feed less smaller items because that that's one thing that i like try and preach to a lot of people is like i think smaller items more often is better for most colubrids you know even multiple small items you know especially things like you know pituophis because they're nest raiders you know they go underground and they eat up you know as many babies as they can get their mouths around you know and they eat that in a sitting then you know so long later they'll do it again you know that's at least that's usually the case you know obviously i don't know pituophis in the wild i don't know if they eat all the time you know, but I think changing up food, going from, you know, a lot of small items to one big item to a couple medium sized items, you know, that's a good way to change, just kind of change it up, man. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But, yeah. And that's like with my Alterna and, and all my collection, I'll switch in where I'll, I'll do quail and stuff like that with them. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I really thought the Subak would, would really go for it and, and be really into quail, but I had a little bit more hesitation with them than really? I did my Alterna where the Alterna were like, they were nailing them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. That just kind of surprised me a little bit. And it just made me think, you know, when you're out walking cuts, you pretty often come up on birds sleeping on the cuts. And I wonder, yeah. you know, I'm sure if this snake comes across, you know, sleeping bird, why would it not, you know, try yeah. that. So, you know, I think that's where we're seeing that. Yeah, no, no doubt. I thought about trying to switch up to some quail on my on my pits. You know, I keep quite a few pitchy especially my bigger stuff. I've really thought about trying to offer some quail to them and just see how they take to it. Uh, but. Yeah, yeah, I've had no problem with that. Um, you know, them them taking that. I haven't tried it with my Debbie Debbie yet, but but. Oh, you have Debbie Debbie. Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, uh, from from dude. vivid i have the uh summer and winter line that he's working with dude that's awesome i love like that's it's definitely one of my like cornerstone pieces that i want to get or psa pieces one of my cornerstone snakes that i want to get eventually i have jana i have i have four jana right now um, that was jared he's great he's like a freaking monster that's gonna be your i dude you're gonna be sad when he becomes an adult because he's gonna be a really really good looking animal like he's gonna be a smoke show so i am more than happy to have him um but i love dude me and chris geek about mexican pines all the time they're they're such 
Those and the awesome, and man. those awesome. Northerns and the the Kanks, I think, are probably my favorites as far as pits go. Yeah, Kanks are cool. I still haven't. I've kind of. I don't know if I'm going to end up getting those. I think that those have kind of fallen off for me because, like, I have enough that are going to get really big. So I think I'm happy with the group that I have. You know, between the the albino Floridas, the pork lines. The Northerns and the Blacks and the Claybergs. I think I'm... I wouldn't mind a pair when I have more space eventually. Yeah, yeah you know no, they're they're cool, but man, they just they eat like they eat so much. <laughs> it just it is incredible how always... fast pits burn through food. Dude, I'm telling you, man, my those Northerns and the Blacks that Chris sent me—they're already on like small adult mice. I believe it. Like it's it's crazy. They started on, you know, hoppers, and then hoppers became too small really fast, and so I upped them recently, and they're just exploding. And they're awesome, though. I, I love them to death. My black, my black pines hate every ounce of me, but they're. I think awesome. that's just part of the name. That's why they're black. They're just full of hatred. Their souls are black. Satan, Satan, Satan. <laughs> Are you, uh, as far as the Alterna go, are you focused on any locality in particular with those? Or uh, There's a few There's a few things I've been working on. There was the Davis Mountain pair that mm-hmm. uh, I, I was trying with for a very long time. And uh, last year I had, had a good clutch come out of them. And uh, that, that was pretty impressive. Uh, th- this year I've not, uh, not paired anything up this year. I'm probably going to lay off this year and re- resume again next year. Um, and then there's, there's a few, uh, like Sanderson localities that I would like to see in the fruition. And then, uh, I, uh, found a glass mountains mail last year that that'd be cool to, to try to pair up. So I do miss them. They were fun snakes to have. I just, I feel like it's so much easier to, to breed and, and like not breed, but handle, getting babies started out there where you have access to, you know, the different lizard species and stuff that they're more likely to, to entertain eating than we do here. Yeah. I have a whole routine that I run through and, uh, so far I've, it's been pretty good for me. Um, and one of the things that I'll use that I, I was surprised it worked as well as it did. Cause I've caught lizards in the areas where I was finding, you know, the, these snakes and no interest i've tried bearded dragons uh don't try live baby bearded dragons uh they fight back more than uh what what you'd expect uh, have, i was not expecting you to say that <laughs> yeah no they have legit teeth baby bearded uh, dragons oh my hey god man. i don't think i've ever i don't know that still seems like a pretty I've, big meal for a baby alternative. i don't think i've ever talked to yeah, anybody that said they tried baby bearded dragons well That's... these were hatchlings right out of the egg and uh wow. with some you know a little bit bigger stuff just trying to get it to eat and no it didn't go for it but but uh, mediterranean geckos have really been something that worked really well for me i'm wondering uh, i think i i don't know if i tried turks or not i we have those here like those are, you those are not scenting. hard to find here you tried scenting them i don't think you tried a straight gecko yeah Feeding a whole prey item like that's always my last ditch effort. What I usually do when I when I have hatchings, I'm trying to get to eat is the first thing I'll offer is a frozen thawed pinky, and mm-hmm. and hope they go for that. If they go for that, <laughs> great. And the other thing is, I just always do the bag method. I don't 
I don't even try just putting it in the cage and drop feeding it like that or anything. I just instantly put them in the bag with the prey item. You mean like and a paper bag type of deal? Correct. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. It's still in just bizarre to me that that works. And not only with Alterna, but like other species too. We're just like, like, what is it about a paper bag that is so much more enticing than anything else that just. Uh, yeah. It doesn't make sense. And I wonder if it's a safety thing. I wonder if it's a. They just can't get away from it. You know, it's in their face. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I almost wonder if it's also like in this could be pure speculation. This might sound stupid. Like being in a different environment, it might be like a might turn on like kind of like a hunt, a hunt thing in their heads, you know, like kind of a search, even though they were put into that. Environment. I mean, the one I thing that know. stands out to me is scent, because if you put them in a deli cup in something dark, they don't eat. You drop feed and they're in like a darker rack or a tub that, you know, there is not a lot of light. They don't eat. So it's kind of like the one common denominator there is the sense different like the smell of the bag or something i don't i don't know i've wondered that okay yeah. bags are made from trees smells more like yep. a forest bam yep. that's it no, that bleach they use to <laughs> clean it and stuff maybe that's it yeah, yeah. it's got to be a brown paper bag uh, that's that's the secret <laughs> <but> yeah <laughs> do you they... like line them all up on a table and have them labeled like their little lunch bags like a sharpie no no it depends on what what stage i'm on but usually i just kind of throw it in there and we'll go through the rack and put the snake in there paper clip it up put it back in its tub and then check it the next day when i get home from work usually dude i've had people hmm. I, i've heard people talk about like doing the bag method and then putting him in their car and going for a drive like trying to put a baby to sleep like, i've heard people doing that with condros it's weird. I don't. I, I don't. That think makes I would sense ever to me because that's like that. a movement. Like they can tell that they're moving. Like there's yeah, there's a distance like, travel why, there. That why that would that clicks. trigger a food response though? You know? know, like why does why does moving around trigger anything? Because if anything, I feel like I'd scare them more. The same reason you start salivating when you see a Culver's. That has no correlation. There's, I'm from Wisconsin. I salivate over Col Culver's anytime. It's there's See? No, no correlation. That's, that's one thing that you know Wisconsin. feels herping where you get, or I feel like you'll drive yourself mad going, why, why are they out today? And they're not, you know, yeah. they were Especially here yesterday. Like on paper, they're supposed to be perfect conditions to be finding yes. this stuff and you will completely strike out and then you'll go on like the worst days possible and somehow everything's out and about. See, yeah. okay, so I haven't had the perfect conditions, no snake thing in a while, if ever, because like I have certain rows that like if it's perfect condition, I can almost guarantee finding something, maybe not riddled with snakes, but I have certain, at least time of year, you know, if it's the middle of the summer, it's August, it's hotter than falls out, like then, yeah, I'm not, you're never guaranteed anything, but like this time of year. It's perfect conditions. I can almost guarantee snakes on certain areas that I'm very confident in. You know, but, but, but then you go one spot over and they're not yeah, there. They're and not it's there. the identical conditions and it's like, you know, why? What's going on here? So that actually happened to me and Justin the one time we went road cruising last year. We went on. I was like, dude, tonight's the night. We just got a rain. I, I 
we're going to find stuff. I went on my road that's been so hot for so long, didn't find a single snake. I said, okay, let's go find, let's go check out this other road. It was, we passed the marker for like that money zone of like time frame. We hit that road. The money we, zone. We, yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Like 30 minutes before dusk, 30 minutes after that hour time frame was like the golden hour for finding stuff. And we went on a different road and found like four DORs. Biggest. All copper, within like 50 yards of each dude, other. Biggest copperhead I've ever seen in my life was smashed on we the should have got a picture road. of that dude i'm really upset we didn't get a picture of that while we while we dude, had that thing was that was just mind-blowing like three foot like copperhead i've never seen anything like that in my life it was huge, huge. um big old cane break another dead copperhead i think we found like three dor copperheads massive cane break that was dead like fresh was, like the blood was probably still yeah, warm i think it was still twitching yeah. Like it was like missed it by minutes. Yeah. I was like, man, we should just hit this road, you know, but it was the same night, same conditions, but for whatever reason on that road, they were moving and they got smushed. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's something I've experienced more in South Texas than in West Texas okay. where, you know, West Texas seems pretty kind of consistent. I don't know if that's just a bias because you know, you're not seeing the numbers that you see in South Texas where, you know, you can, South Texas being uh like uh like if you're putting it in in like the freer area. Okay. Yeah, kind of that general locality. Um, oh, well, not that far. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I do want to go down there though. That does seem like an interesting thing and just something completely different. I haven't I haven't gone deep deep south. Is That'd Corpus cool. Christi considered deep deep south? Well, I'm talking like going down to what is it like Port Isabel, I think, and looking for like a northern yeah. cat-eyed snakes. I think that would be okay. that'd be pretty yeah. cool. That would try to find that. Yeah, you'll find a lot of atrox in Corpus Christi. I can tell you that. I feel like you find a lot of atrox anywhere <laughs> that they stand in desert. <laughs> yeah, you can never base whether you think it's going to be a snaky night or not over an atrox. It's like there, there's a, there's always one dumb one set out where you're like, all right, like, here we go. It's 96 degrees and 12 o'clock at night. What are you doing? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's been funny though. I feel like recently over the last few years at West, like I've, I've just personally not been seeing as many Aatrox as I have in the past. And, you know, I don't, I don't know anything to it, but it's just, you seem to not see as many as I was. It's the squirrels of Texas. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite, as far as West Texas goes, like what's your favorite area to, to go and cruise and herp? Ooh, I, wherever there's rain, I think that's kind of my favorite Fair. spot. Yeah. That was a perfect <laughs> that's the best answer. answer. <laughs> best answer I've heard yet. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I tell you, man, I follow the rains. Like if it's okay, been totally. dry, it's been oh shut up. If it's if it's been dry for a long time, like I don't really bother with it. But as I soon as it rains and it's warm, I'm like, let's go. Like, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter where I'm where I'm staying if if I'm yeah. out there and, and there's rain, we're going. Yeah, you know, that, I don't know. As a first timer going out there, man, it was hard to sort of pick a favorite because you know it didn't rain. Not even that. Yeah. But like <laughs> when you're comparing like Lajitas to Davis, like they're very different places. 
just in terms of landscape and stuff. Like Lahitas was really cool. I liked Lahitas. I also liked Davis, and I liked walking around looking for for leps and whatever else we could find. And it was just it was surprised. I was not going into it. I was not expecting to see as much in terms of like biome diversity as what yes. we saw. Yes. Yeah, some of my favorite spots. I've I don't think I've ever seen them in the day, so I couldn't tell you what's around it, you know, other than <laughs> Google Maps, right? You know, yeah, but yeah. But I think that's one thing. It is crazy when you've when you've herped a spot for a long time and then for some reason you are there in the day. At least me personally, and I'm there like, oh, this is what's on the other side of the road. It's a cliff. That's that's <laughs> this you know. is really pretty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did that a lot. Like we'd drive past some of these cuts and then we'd be there at night and Phil would be like, Yeah, we drove by this earlier. And I'm like, I honestly, if you told me, like, put a gun to my head and said, you got to tell me where you are right now or you're done, like, couldn't point it out on a map. Like, yeah. don't even know what highway I'm on. Like, screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's black. Like, I don't know what's going on. And that's the funny thing about doing that, man. You know, like, I, I rode cruise the same road for a long time and then i drove it during the day because i was traveling for whatever and i look over and i'm like oh there's a graveyard right there never never knew that was that was existent like i had no idea that was there but yeah you know drove that road a hundred freaking times never knew there was well it was funny right too because some of those cuts like we'd walk them at night and then you know we'd drive by them the next morning and i'm like those seemed a lot bigger at night <laughs> drive by i'm like that thing was only like six feet tall like no way like that thing was three times bigger than that when we yeah. were like looking at it with our flashlights you know it was just it was wild yeah well you know and i, I don't think the size of the cut matters uh you know that's i the way i started herpin compared to the way i do now you know i i for the most part pick a single cut and we'll walk that for eight hours and then you know then we go back and go to sleep you know and then we'll be out at the same cut the next day doing the same thing you know and and the diversity you see from one Mm -hmm. pass to the other is uh it's always changing you know the way i look at a cut is like it's a it's a tv and kind of what we're seeing pop out of that cut every once in a while is just coming through the cable and you know there's there's a chance of anything popping out through there and so just just keep hunting that same spot so i'm gonna ask a dumb a really dumb question as a as a southeastern herper brace yourself now (laughs) what is considered a cut i've always heard that but i don't really know what is like what what is the definition of a cut is that like between two mountain things yeah. or whatever yeah. like yeah so it's generally just going to be wherever you know the engineers deemed to be the cheapest fastest route to run the highway if okay. if there's a of going over it they just decided to blow through it yeah okay so cut is literally like a cut through to mountain like areas. hills like large okay hills, I, I guess is what they yeah. consider them i don't that's when always you... what i pictured but i wasn't really sure yeah. Yeah. And then there's, you know, natural cuts that you'll see where it's just, you know, where, right. you're, where you're going to see a hill coming down. And uh, some of my favorite spots is working those. So low, low areas, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I think working like, you know, riverbeds and stuff like that, too, you know, where yeah. it's just kind of natural corridors. Uh, 
yeah, that seems see, to that, be a very that, productive. You put it, you put it that way, it makes way more sense to me. That's that's why I do rivers. That's 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 what we got around here. Well, you know, it's really interesting. We're running into different spots where you know it it took me. Oh, I don't even know how many years to see my first pictogaster. And, and then after that, you know, I, I have seen so many now. And there's this one cut where they come up from a ravine and they'll come up this rock wall and you can see them down at the bottom. And then you'll see them pop up like 20 minutes later just from a crack in the wall. Mm-hmm. And then they'll make their way to the cut and you can watch them crawl up the cut and, you know, go into a hole. And, you know, but you'll see, I see tons of blacktails over there, tons of picks. Yeah, we never saw any transpecos. We saw a ornate and an Aatrox. And I think Julander, like Julander almost got freaking tetanus catching that blacktail because he snagged himself on a, like a barbed wire fence or something as it was going under oh, it. God. <laughs> Pretty gnarly. Do you, yeah. what's, what's your, what's your take on the whole like locality thing with, with Alterna and stuff like that, as far as like actual <laughs> highway markers and, and cuts and things like that? Uh, well, huh, all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a loaded question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is okay. This is just my well, opinion. As someone who's out there all the time and sort of like sees it and, you know, spends a quantifiable amount of time out there. Yeah. Uh, as someone who doesn't, I see things like people you know, down to the the highway marker and things like that. And then when I produced Alterna and saw that I got a ton of variation from two snakes that were supposed to be from the same place. And it was like, well, wait a second. I feel like Alterna is kind of hard to say that with though, just because you get a ton of variation. I feel like Alterna are already very variable. So I think that's kind of a hard thing to say, even if they came from the same place, I feel like you get a ton of variability. Yeah. This is coming from somebody that doesn't keep alternatives, so I completely could be one thousand percent wrong on that. But that's just what I have been able to see from. Yeah, I know, think my opinion will will differ uh, from I think kind of the the common uh, consensus on localities and kind of how that works. You know, I, I think that uh, you know going out and, and finding the animal yourself that is a that's a way to be like, hey, this is where this is from. But you know. Back in the day, you know, at, at the Comstock Motel, that just used to be a, a trading post where people would come from all over. And, you know, you get a guy coming from out of state and he wants to leave with an Alterna and he doesn't really care where it's from. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be someone there going, oh, what locale are you looking for? Oh, yeah, I got that back in my room. Oh. I'll be right back. I got that, you know, and uh, whether it was maybe that locality or not. So, you know, I, I think there's always the always kind of a chance with that stuff and and also too you know i think we're mistaking locality for selective breeding i think a lot Mm -hmm. where you know you look at you know someone's envisionment of the best possible thing that they thought was in that area and then they breed for that and then that is the locality that we know or the world knows you know perfect example i look at river road stuff yeah you know everybody thinks of chaos line river road stuff and can you find a really speckly animal there yes you can you know the first one was found there but but you can also get you know basically a a dirty blair's phase Mm -hmm. you know animal in the same area and that is as legitimate you know it's it's a river road locality but you wouldn't guess right 
Yeah, yeah, it's kind of just where the the confusion's always been for me. You know, you have some Sanderson animals and you breed them and you get stuff that doesn't necessarily look like the animals that produced it. You know, it was like, well, wait a second. I thought this was kind of what Sanderson was known to look like. You know? Yeah, but see, known to look like in 100% of the time looks like are two very different things, you know, because like me, I'm... I am a locality guy. You know, I like keeping localities the same, but I'm more of a, if it's in the same County, I'm good. Right. You know, like they don't I have feel like to that's look, fair, but I, they don't have to look exactly like granted yak because that's where the selective breeding part comes in. But if you're a purist in the form of like, you know, you want everything from the same County, then I feel like it doesn't, really matter to me know? it just seems like, like the mile marker thing is a bit extreme well I, and yeah and i say that but i would still only breed cut to cut and i wouldn't i wouldn't outcross necessarily uh you mm-hmm. know anything not, not outcrossing is the right term there but you know I, i'm still into locality i just don't think that it is the way that it's looked at kind of as a whole right you know, and also too, I think that there's a, you know, I think there's a chance that a, a lot of the alternative we're looking at, you know, are, are just, are just dirty mutts, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and, you know, you look at the, you know, the, you know, pictures of gray bands from, from Mexico, right. And they kind of look a little bit more like a Leonis, you know, and then up mm-hmm. here you're looking at them and they look a little bit more like a milk snake. And, uh, you know, you see some pairings where, you know, you'll see a milk snake to a to an alterna and or, you know, kind of uh, what looks to be a hybrid and the babies that are coming out of that clutch. You can't tell the difference on right. some of those. Some of them you look at and go, oh, look, that animal looks looks different. It looks off. But the other ones, you know, that, that's a Blair's phase alterna. All right. Are you doing anything with Leonis? No, sir. No. Oh, man. I've thought about it. I've been tempted. Dude, about. it is so tempting. Pain Shab keeps sending me pictures dude, of something he has, and I'm like, I was, about like to say, um, I was like, don't fucking do it, dude. I was about to say Pain Shab's gonna end up. I'm not gonna fight him if he does, this, but man. I'm like, at the same he's time, good, I'm like, he's I, gonna I, end I up getting me on something, man. If I, I've told him, I've told him several times. I'm like, if you get some high high white Leonis, dude, you get a bone white Leonis with that like fire red banding dude. on it it's just oh. dude that's what that's why i told him i'm like look i don't like all of like the crazy colors all mixed in if you get something high white with really thin banding it's like i'm in that is I'm my in. one of my biggest that regrets is... is not holding on to the ones my dad had when he got out of things because he had some that i was like i really don't want he had leonis yeah he had a oh, nice fuck. group of Leonis. He had some Dude. that were out of this world. And then I'm like, that's one of my favorite king snake species, if not They're so my cool. top pick. Like, I like those more than Alterna, just in turn because of how much more they have kind of have going on. But I don't know, man. That's it's super tempting. And of course, Chris is sending me pictures of his all the time. And I'm like, damn it. He's got some nice ones. That's for sure. But switching gears a little bit, you got some uh, some some green anacondas. I, I do keep those. Yeah. I've, oh, you currently yeah. keep those. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I've had I've had I think my my oldest female. I think I've had her for eight nine years now. Oh wow! The only um, people I know that that have had them 
at one point or another was Jeff and Kendra in terms of people I personally, yeah. like in our, you know, in the, in my own circle that I know and talk to on a regular right. basis, Jeff and Kendra. They don't keep them anymore. Do they? No, no, they yeah, got I don't them. think so. Yeah, no, I, I kept them when I was, when I was younger, I got a, you know, wild caught animal that never did well for me. And then uh, whenever they started putting the restrictions on them is when I was like, you know what, I think this might be my one chance to, to get a pair so so i did at that point um you know as a kid it was it was a hundred dollar snake you know um, really yeah yeah oh my god and j-lo and ice cube ruined it for everybody man <laughs> but you know so getting those and just my my thing was you know i i didn't see anybody else really keeping them and it was a hundred dollar import you know so i just thought you know, I was young, you used to see rock pythons all the time at you mm -hmm. know, just pet shops and just tons of tons of different stuff, cool stuff that, you know, as I got older, I didn't see anymore. And then, you know, the price would creep up on it and uh, or you couldn't find it at all, you know. And so when I saw that happen, I thought I'm, I'm going to get a pair of those just to hang on to them so that I have them, you know. Right. What were the issues you were having with the wild caught? Oh, that was so long ago. And it just, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing when I had it, I think was. Uh, what weren't the issues is the yeah, question. <laughs> yeah, I, I just could never get it to eat, you know, and it just wasn't, it, so many factors could have gone into that, Yeah, you know, at the time. Hmm. I was, I was again, probably 10 at that point, probably shouldn't have been having one at all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane yeah. that's, that's probably one of the most texas statements i think i've ever heard supportive <laughs> parents supportive parents i had a green hey, man, that's, hey you know at least you had supportive parents man like i wasn't allowed to keep anything that got over four feet long when i was 13 let alone a green anaconda when i was 10 good god yeah, i probably wouldn't do it if i was in that situation i'd probably be like you know what let's not do that <laughs> So what, what are your adults? You, so you have a pair right now? I have a trio. It's going to be oh. a, yeah, two females and a male. But uh, I've not even tried to pair them up. You know, it's funny that I, I don't enjoy uh, selling snakes. Uh, and Most so, of us don't. <laughs> yeah, so I, so I just breed stuff for myself, you know, for okay. the most part. So I have them. Uh, at some point I will for fun. But Yeah, dude, I, I'm not going to lie, man. I... You saying that I respect the hell out of that. Like somebody, you know, like yourself that says, you know, I don't, I breed for myself. Like that is almost like a breath, a, a breath of fresh air, you know, almost, you know, it's, it's really nice to hear somebody say something like that. Cause a lot of people breed like, Oh, I'm going to breed these. I'm going to sell, you know, everything. And I'm also guilty of that. You know, the stuff I'm pairing, I plan on selling pretty much all the babies I'm breeding for myself because I want to breed them and see what comes out of it. I'm definitely keeping some, but you know, part of it's also like, I just want to give away baby snakes to, you know, friends and shit, you know, but you yeah. know, somebody, somebody like yourself, which is bringing like, yeah, I'm breeding because, you know, I want to do it for me is, you know, it's awesome. You know, I love to hear that. It's, you know, it, I would argue it's more just greed on my end that, uh, you know, when, <laughs> when I produce baby alternates, like, yeah, you're all going to stay here. We're going to see what you turn into. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the problem with stuff that changes so much from the time they're babies, to the time they're adults is like, you kind of have to, if you really want to, if you're trying yeah, to like man. build upon something long-term, like you have to sit on stuff longer than, you know, you normally would if you were just selling them to, to sell them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah, that's like, I got some Olympia Canyon animals from Brian mm-hmm. Box and just seeing those animals when I got them, you know, as a, like a darker, darker animal. And as it's gotten older, the female in particular, she's this awesome buckskin color where it's like, where, where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So with the, with the greens, like, what are you, I ask this because like, I, I don't know many people that keep greens, you know, how big are your, adults and like kind of like how are you what are you keeping them in yeah so i'm just keeping them in uh uh, cages i made for them uh they're gonna be eight by four um and i you know could definitely do something bigger in the future with them um and my biggest female she's probably around 10 12 feet somewhere around there i mean they're not a fast growing species right no not at all and you know what's really weird is for a long time my female when I feed and uh, she'll, she'll only eat rats, you know, mm-hmm. so she'll eat big jumbo rats all day, but, you know, throw a chicken in there with her, you know, a, a dead chicken, you know, and she, she won't go for it. Uh, every once in a while, she'll take a rabbit. Uh, every once in a while, mess with a guinea pig, but rats are her go-to, you know, so weird little things like that. But definitely heard of that with other people with larger animals. They get kind of picky. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be sort of the the thing with working with them too. Is it seems like they're either really easy to to deal with, or they're just really not easy to deal with in terms of you know handling and having to remove them to do cleaning or whatever you might have to do. Yeah, what's they're your, def- uh, What's your experience been like there? Yeah, I, I would concur with that. Uh, they're definitely very, and you know, that's on me for not holding them as much as when they were younger. You know, I should definitely mess with them more, but. It's manageable, but it is a big animal. Um, yeah. it, it's definitely not something that I think that is just a pet that people should be getting. Uh, it, it's a lot. And I think that goes into part of the reason, too, why I haven't bred them. You know, I will yeah. eventually, to just to keep the bloodline going. But, but yeah, just how do you find a good home for that, you know? Yeah, yeah and that's – I think that's my biggest thing with – green anacondas and it, it, and it's sad because you look at green anacondas and retics there's and not venomous. a whole there's yeah and venomous there's not a whole lot of difference between green anacondas and retics you know retics are a little bit longer anacondas are heavier bodied for whatever reason everybody looks at green anacondas as the biggest snake in the fucking world you know like it's pretty much known retics get a little bit longer anacondas are a little bit heavier you know that's kind of the rule of thumb or whatever but it's so funny that like there's not that many people out there that breed green anacondas versus retics when there's almost very little difference i think it's it's anacondas are are much more difficult i think to to breed successfully yeah no it it absolutely is you know and it's funny hearing you being like yeah i'm worried about finding a home for these green anacondas when there's probably a lot of people that would buy the shit out of those things like right away but retics are mass massively bred you know across the u.s so it's like come on man people (laughs) that buy dwarf caimans when they're tiny and cute too and then realize yeah exactly that's a perfect (laughs) example you know like and, and, you know, the, again, you know, just absolutely no judgment on anybody and what they keep and how no, they do no. what they do. And, you know, I, I 
do whatever you want. And uh, it's just what I do personally. But, you know, you don't you don't see a lot of uh, people posting pictures of their adult retics. You know, usually it's kind of that 10 foot animal. You'll see that, you know, and uh, you don't see a lot of adults. Yeah, and that's what I mean when I see like the stuff that that brewers cranking out. It's like, where the fuck I, are all these things going? Like, where I are they going? I can't even. Like, dude, I follow him just to see the disaster. Like, I don't even know if I follow him, but I'm not like, even it's giving just, him that much attention. I don't even like I said. I don't even think I follow just him. Seeing but his, the his posts come up on my like suggested. Just the number all of clutches and stuff that it seems like dude, he's, he's pulling it's, out. It's like, where the fuck are all these going? It's ridiculous, man. And that's the thing. Like, that's the difference between somebody like him, somebody like you, Lewis. It's like that dude's producing as much as he can, whenever he can. He's producing. 20 to 30 you know retic clutches a year at 20 to 30 40 babies a pop you know and it's it's like how many people are buying these things and from what i understand a lot of it's going overseas but wow that's yeah, still a lot of retics that they're getting shot out into the world via a can yeah, that's a lot of big snakes going out into the world to people who don't know what the hell they're doing yeah. or what and, they're getting, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you know, the concern there is right. It ruins it for the rest of us, right? Exactly, Where it's exactly. like, you know, you're, we're not going to let anything go. That's never going to happen. That, you know, it's an insane thought, but people do it. And you're sat there going, what, what, who is this person? <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's mind blowing, man. Like, how many people just buy? I mean, and I'm not gonna lie. I was almost one of those people. I was that close to buying a baby retig because, like, I just loved this animal They're so gorgeous, much. They're gorgeous, dude. They're so pretty, and this animal was so nice. And I'm like, oh, you know. And he's telling me, like, oh, dude, you can keep it in a six by three as an adult, and it'll I only get home. as big as the enclosure you're keeping it in. Yeah, I got home and I thought about. I was like, no, I can't. No, I can't. There's no. This thing's gonna get. 15 foot long like if jake's, i'm lucky <laughs> jake's like, doing the math he's like wait a second no no there's no way like this was a very long time ago for the record you know and i'm like this is just it's ridiculous man people who think you can stick a 12 15 foot animal in a six foot enclosure is it's it's mind-boggling you know you can will it survive yeah but is it great? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, you know, do whatever you see is best for your animal. If you do that, I mean no harm. I'm not judging anybody for what they do. This is personal preference. I would never keep retakes because I would want to provide something massive, something like you do, Lewis, an eight by four. I cannot do that in my ten by twelve room. So <laughs> just not gonna happen. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm, and people do great with them. Right. And yeah. it's just, but do you need, do you need thousands being pumped out there every, you know, year, you know, probably yeah. not. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. But, it's man. They're like I said, just a, like a normal wild type retake, man. Like I almost like that more than pretty much any morph I've seen, but it's, I also know yeah. very well aware of my limits and knowing that it's like, no matter what size house I have or anything like there's never going to be enough room to to devote to that and that's it's also like 
not even necessarily a space thing, but it's like, do I really want to devote the time and like energy to dealing with a larger snake like that? And you know, feeders get expensive at that point too when you get into the bigger sizes, oh, and it's God, just like it's yeah. just to me, it's just not worth the not worth the hassle. I respect the hell out of people like you, Lewis, who really like put in the time and the enclosure size into those animals. If I had the space, I would love to do it. I love big freaking snakes. I love them, but I'm just, I'm not capable. That's why he has the pits. Exactly. (laughs) Pits and carpets are as close as I'm going to get to keeping anything quote unquote big. You know, I tell somebody, I'm like, oh, you know, my big snake's six and a half foot. They're like, oh my God, that's huge. You know, (laughs) like you have no idea. I mean, some some pitcher loafs get pretty pretty big, man. Some of those South Texas yeah. bull snakes you'll see. I mean, you're, yeah, it's a big snake. No, yeah, no, you know, it, hefty it, size. They're, they're big, you know. I've got a pair of Clayburn County Texas bulls here, and some other stuff that are going to get six, seven foot long. And you know, I love big colubrids, I always will. But my max is like that seven seven <laughs> foot. <laughs> Seven foot is pretty much my max for a snake, maybe eight, you know, because I love Kribos. I would love to get in the Yellowstone Kribos one day, but that's when I can provide like a six, eight foot enclosure. And right now that's just not, not doable for me. So, yeah, I think knowing your limitations is good, you know, and, and I oh, think that, but so often, you know, people walk into a show and they go, oh, this is what I want today, right now. I'll fig- yeah, I'll you know? figure it out. Yeah, and I'm yeah. guilty of it myself. I did oh, yeah, when I sure. was a kid, you know what I mean? But just over time, you know. And I feel like people, I'm not going to say like us, but people experience, it's more, it, you're able to do that. You know, get something small, you know what it's going to get to and be like, you know, I'll figure out a bigger cage when the time comes, you know, and you'll figure it out. And that's but that's the difference between knowing what you're getting into and not. I think it's more so knowing what what to expect. Right. You know, like somebody like three of us can see a baby Kribo, you know, small, cute, adorable, beautiful and. Say, hey, you know, I'm going to grab this and I'll figure out a really big cage down the road. And that's perfectly acceptable. You know, you don't have to have a six foot cage ready for it when it's a baby, you know. But knowing what you're getting into is half the battle, you know, with with those types of animals. You know, that goes into retics, Burmese pythons, anacondas, you know, even yellow anacondas, man. Those are those aren't small snakes <laughs> but yeah yeah and that's you know it's just it, it with the power of the internet now you know there's so much knowledge at, at the tips of all of our fingers but then you know you look at stuff where you know, you'll see someone ask a question in a group and they'll just get demolished and it's like you know I feel like I want to comment on it and reach out and be like, Hey, you know, yeah, you don't have to do it this way. You can do it this way and that's just fine. And your animals will be okay. Once you get to this point, do this. It's all good. You're going to be all right. Yeah. But instead, you know, these people just get 
just lambasted. Everyone gets their okay. sticks and marshmallows. They're ready for the roast. Yeah, and you know that just that does no value to the hobby. We want as many people keeping these reptiles as possible. It makes us stronger, yeah. you know, as, as a group. And uh, but it's this elitist kind of vibe that everybody yeah. has. And most of the time, it's kind of what are they even talking about? You know. That's why, like, you know, for one, I don't. When it comes to posts and stuff, I don't comment on anybody's thing unless it's a buddy that's like yeah we just got this and i'm like awesome you know like shit like that but if it's somebody new and they post a question and they're just getting bombarded with bullshit answers and they're getting roasted by everybody it's like occasionally i'll message and be like hey i work with this species let me tell you what i do what works for me xyz i never comment I never do the whole because then it just opens up whole other doors for me to get mad and want to curse somebody <laughs> out, curse somebody out on Facebook, and that's yeah, that's not my thing. I don't, I don't do that. So occasionally, I've done it a couple times. I'll message somebody, and be like, "Hey, I work with these. I have adults. This is what has worked for me. This is what I do. X, Y, Z." But even then, there's a thousand other people telling them that they're full of shit. And they're wrong and they're a terrible person for how they keep their animal or how they want to keep their animal. And Don't you don't dare have a red bulb on a corn snake and post about it. Don't do it. Don't ever do that. You would have thought people poured gasoline in that tank and set it on fire. <laughs> Honestly. Insane. But you're, uh, you're starting a... Or have started a feeder business. What was the motivation for getting into that and deciding to make it a business? Yeah, so uh, deciding to make it a business, that was just, you know, I think everybody kind of wants to try to do their own thing at a certain point, And the effort you put in is kind of what you'll what you'll get out, you hope, right? So uh, that, that was one of the main reasons behind just turning it into a business. Uh, the main reason for starting to do it was you know over time just the quality of rodent i feel like we kind of get uh is kind of gone downhill you know and it's it's the sizes aren't correct uh you get you know animals that aren't just not a robust looking feeder animal no. uh not that there's not some value we'll be seeing a little bit underweight animal every once in a while to change it up but you know you don't you don't want to have that happening when you're paying for a bag of you know 50 mice or whatever and you know, there are hoppers in there and you ordered small. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I mean, Jake's had that, We, you know, with a company that were named Nameless. Um, but he got a bag that was supposed to be one thing and he showed it to me. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like this, and I told <laughs> this you is not up. what you ordered. Like this and is, I, I can it, tell, I can tell you exactly what it was too. Cause I remember this cause it bothered me for so long. Again, a company that will, will remain nameless. I ordered black fuzzies because they were on sale and I'm always about the sales. So I ordered these black fuzzies. These were hopper to small sized adults at fuzzy weight. Like they were literally very weird. They were like dwarfed skin and bone hopper. They were considered hoppers, but they were like a fuzzy weight. They had no meat to them whatsoever. They were literally skin and freaking bone. Just the worst rodents I've ever seen in my life. I'm not going to lie. 
They were absolutely terrible. So Justin hits me up and he's like, Hey man, you got some fuzzies? And I was like, Yeah, I'll sure do. You. I'll <laughs> you give brought you to me. I was like, What the hell is I this? I was like, I give you plenty. I was like, well, I'm gonna tell you, these do not look like fuzzies. They have a full thing of hair on them. They are hoppers all the way, but they're the same weight as a fuzzy. <laughs> like, man, this is just terrible. Yeah, and the other thing too is, you know, I think that uh, you look a lot of. And not that I have this completely figured out and that I'm finalized with my formula and what I want to do. But, you know, you look at most of the the rodent diet that's getting fed that, yeah, it'll keep the animal alive just fine. It'll do good for the rat. But what is it doing for the end user, right? What is the snake really getting out of that? You know, if it's just a standard rodent block all the time uh, that's formulated for for them, not, not for the snake, right? You're going into kind of like a lab setting where you want it to be consistent results all the time. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's the best thing for for our snakes, right? You know, you look at some studies of wild rodent diets, and it's the majority of it is going to be insects. And, you know, now while that's not feasible to feed hundreds of rats insects all the time, uh, it's definitely something you can mix in. And, and we do. Uh, we feed Madagascar hissing cockroaches to our rats regularly. Uh, to try to change it up. You just um, give them to them live? Yeah, yeah. Yep. They go crazy for really? it. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah. Live, live insects. They're not joking around. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. What about nice, like, man. you do like crickets? Uh, I don't do any crickets uh, just because I'm not breeding them. Um, I haven't. Uh, need to start doing crickets, but I'm not currently doing them. Um, but we'll feed excess Madagascar hissing cockroaches or dubia roaches. We'll offer to them. Hmm. And that, go, that goes really well. Well, yeah, man, I, I haven't. Uh, I want to try it, but I'm always like, I have a feeling the rats will kind of look at them like, "What the hell do you want me to do with that?" No, yeah, they're just gonna dive on them. Really? Yeah, we're gonna have to try that. Yeah, like watch your fingers. <laughs> Go for it. Well, man, please send me like, do you have a website or anything? Like, is that? Yeah, we do have a website, and so right now we're uh, we're, we're soon, hopefully, gonna be offering shipping on our rodents. We do currently. Okay, so no on shipping our yet. Yes, sir. Yeah, we currently do offer that on our uh, on our Madagascar hissing cockroaches and dubias and isopods, uh, but trying to figure out how to get the rodent shipping at a, at a feasible cost. You know, I don't want to have someone hit me up and then you know me say, "Yeah, your shipping's going to be hundred dollars." That that's not fair to you. So right. you know, how can I come up with a with a different way to do that and and get a good frozen product that shows up to your door frozen, not thought out and you know smelly you know you should be getting something that comes in rock hard frozen you know and i will say that hasn't been like i've been fortunate to not have an issue with and, and you know the I few times i've bought bulk frozen like i've never stuff's arrived fully frozen i haven't had any issues with thawing or getting delayed or anything like that so i have been lucky there but i know there are people that have most definitely ordered things and it came to them not yeah, and it might just be a Texas issue, you know, something I run into. Um, hey, man, I the company so I the, the yeah. company I currently get from is out of Texas, and I'll tell you, man, like I switch companies just for quality. I'm still not in love with it, if I'm being honest. Again, nameless here. Um, I like them for the most part. I'm not in love and i wish there was a little bit more variability because that's the thing the company that has a lot of variability within like feeders they kind of suck like as far as everything else goes and then the company that's pretty good 
only sells mice and chicks and I need bigger quail and stuff like that. But like, I obviously have to deal if I want quail or, you know, stuff like that, I order from the other company or hairless mice. I get hairless mice for my Nerodia because um, they don't digest hair like that. So if, when I get hairless mice and quail, like I'll get from one company then if I just want mice and rats, I get from this other company and they're good, but I don't love them because I get a lot of, this is kind of gross, like broken mice. Like they vacuum seal all that they have and meet like breaking apart the mm. pinkies and fuzzies. Yeah. They split in half and like, I'm not about that. Like I don't offer pieces to my animals. Like I really don't, unless it's Nerodia. Like I chop up pinkies and stuff like that. doesn't bother me, bother me as much, but if I, I like, I have it's hard to thaw out a half a mouse. I have a couple bags in my freezer right now that just have like four different halves of hoppers and six different halves of pinkies. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't want to waste it because it feels like a waste, but I don't want to feed it to my snakes because it's a half of a rodent, you know, and it's just kind of gross to me. So whenever you guys are shipping rodents, please let me know. Yes, sir. Because I order frequently because I keep colubrids and they eat a lot. So I understand that. I, I have to make an order about every two to three months, depending on what I need. So please let me know because I'm looking for somebody that's quality and, you know, that's kind of competitive with pricing because obviously I have to look at pricing, but I'm willing to spend more money to get quality rodents that are broken in half when I try and break them apart because they are vacuum sealed and I destroy them trying to get them. Yeah. And, pieces. and you know, while <laughs> anything is possible in shipping and stuff happens, right. That we just don't have control over, you know, with, with yeah. the pinkies and stuff like that, what we're trying to do is, you know, we're doing standard packs of 10 together. Right. So right. You know, you're getting a vacuum sealed bag where it's just not going to be loose floating around in yeah. there. And that, I think you know, that's mostly from like the flash freezing is where you get the broken, you know, it well, gets like brittle almost. They're not like frozen. It's not that they're brittle. It's that like I get the packs of 50 in the, the from the company that I get from. I get the packs of 50. And again, I'm not saying anything bad about them. They're they've been great. I like the rodents. It's the fact that there's 50 of them packed in this really small vacuum sealed bag and I have to break them apart. Mm. And upon breaking them apart, a pinky, I got snaps, in yeah. a, a pinky snaps in half because they're they're frozen, right. you know. So that happens to fuzzies and hoppers. The bigger stuff never happens, like from especially from this company, does not happen. Like I'm totally good with the bigger stuff. It happens to pinkies, hoppers, or pinkies, fuzzies, and hoppers. That, that that's where I have the problem. Is like I'm, they're so frozen together that I have to break it apart and then there's one mm -hmm. that's like caught in between and it snaps in half and like again yeah PT's that's not a big that's deal why I, but... I freeze mine before i vacuum seal them because then you like yeah. if they're still like if they're not frozen and you put them all together and vacuum seal them, then you get a giant clump of frozen yes. mouse like one big and rip. that's i and that's when that happens stand it I yeah can't stand it 
And one of the problems, especially with pinkies, right, is it does not take long for them to start to thaw, right? So you start to get them thaw and then they freeze back again and then you end up with a clump, right? Where that's, you know, I know that feeling. Like I said, in the pinkies, it doesn't matter because I normally chop those up as it is, you know, for yeah, as many as I get chopped up or like broken in half, I can give those to the Neurodia. I normally cut those in half anyways for, you know, a couple groups. Um, but it's the stuff, the other stuff that I want to give a whole pinky to. Like the other day I had several that were either broken in half or like, it was like, it looked like I cut slits in them. There was one I gave one of your ladies island females a pinky and it had like three perfect slits in it and it was like disgusting and i was like i don't even want to give this the snake this pinky because it looks gross it ate it and it was fine like it's just a paranoia thing with me like whatever but i don't like it <laughs> like i pay a lot of money for these things and i don't want yeah. broken rodents <laughs> like, yeah no and that's that's and that's the thing the rodent prices have gone up so much oh now my god but but what's good about that is you know it gives gives you a little bit a little bit more wiggle room to kind of mess with their diet right so exactly. while of course you know profitability is what what we need for a business but yeah. what can we put back into trying to make this animal not only a complete diet but let's go out of our way a little bit you know, so right. we, we're always the, the standard diet we feed is going to be a mix of three different commercial diets all together. Uh, that's going to be their standard everyday diet. And then uh, two times a week, I'm going to do a mix on top of that, which is going to be coconut oil and molasses to really kind of bring in some uh, healthy fats for my females. Um, How are you mixing that? Uh, just in a big plastic container. Like as a, like you're doing it like as a liquid or you have it. Correct. As a liquid. Yeah. And that goes on there and then uh, I'll let it sit, you know, usually overnight and then offer that to them uh, the next day. But we'll do that twice a week as well. And then I'm always putting a powdered uh, vitamin supplement on top of all their feed. Um, Just trying to, trying to get the most diverse diet we can. What micronutrients can we get in there as well? And uh, you know, different minerals. I'm telling you, man, Please let me know when you could ship. I will be one of your best customers. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, hopefully, yeah, yeah. And that's, no you doubt. know, and when we understand, right, the, the the effort that people put in to make your money, right? And we respect that. Yeah. We're not going to send you, you know, something we just threw in a bag, you know, just to complete your order, right? We're going to talk to you about that and say, hey, this is where right. we're at, you know. Yeah, I know. I'm all about it, man. I'm one of those people, like, especially now, like, working two jobs and, you know, having a little bit, I'm not saying a lot, a little bit of excess money. Like I'm more, I'm more willing to spend a little bit more now on rodents than I was, you know, several months ago. Now, like I'm very willing to spend that extra cost on rodents that aren't split in half and really well fed, you know, especially talking to you and hearing what you do. A lot of these companies, they don't tell you what they're feeding them because a lot of them are just mass producing animals and you already know they're getting fed dog food and, you know, whatever else they can get for the cheapest, you know, I'd rather spend the extra couple bucks to get something that's really, really healthy, you know, for my animals because I know that's going to help in the long run. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, we're, we're feeding a mix of three commercial diets. It's nothing, nothing crazy, nothing that, you know, isn't unknown to the world, you know, and, and you got to keep, you know, 
cost and factor with that and kind of what's right. coming out. But of course. I still think that uh, I still think we're producing a very good quality rodent. And I think that, you know, what I'm attempting to do, and I hope that as time goes on and and as the uh, the revenues there to be able to back it, you know, we start to get to test our rodents and actually come down with break at, you know, breakdowns of kind of what that lot of rodents is actually made up of. Uh, it's not yeah. what we're doing yet. That's long term goals of where we want to be. But, you know, you look at different zoo protocols and where they're what they're doing, you know, how and I, and I don't know completely how feasible it is yet, but how can we offer that to the you know, just the everyday, you know, keeper and really try to change it up, you know, something different. Right. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Are y'all planning on trying to do any, like, do you breed quail or anything like that to go I'm along not, with it? Yeah, I'm not working with quail currently. Okay. It's something I've been, I've looked at. I've looked at trying to procure eggs and incubating them and hatching them out and kind of, you know, stop at that point. But I haven't been able to find someone that has a, has a price I can work with, uh, that, that would come out for something that would at all be close fair to anybody else. Um, yeah. so, you know, that's a limiting factor there. I'm waiting on my mouse racks to come in. Uh, that has been a, it has been a long, tedious wait. Um, but, uh, once those come in, we'll start going on that. Uh, I have a friend working with some hairless mice, so hopefully we'll get those going as well. Oh, uh, so dude, yeah, if you get hairless mice, oh man, <laughs> like I, oh, oh, I would love that. Cause yeah. like I need hairless mice. I feed hairless mice every single week. And yeah. the ones I buy, or I haven't had to buy any for a while because I don't go through a lot of them. But they're kind of gross. Yeah. I don't, yeah, they're a little like, scrawny. I get, <laughs> yeah, I, not even scrawny. They're just, they look like they've been in the freezer for the last six months to a year. And again, nameless, but I, I don't like getting those you know like i know like i'm one of those people like i understand snakes eat roadkill whatever they can find i understand a little freezer burn is not gonna hurt your snakes but i don't like it yeah that's that's my biggest thing you know like i understand it's not gonna be bad like whatever i deal with it but because it's the only thing i can get but it's it's not my cup of tea i don't enjoy it you know, yeah. so it's, it, I'm, I'm trying to find, like, I want a company that offers different size quail, hairless rodents and mice and rats. That yeah. would be the ultimate company, but nobody does that except one and they're kind of garbage. Yeah. So, well, we got hairless rats already. <laughs> That's already something we're working oh. with. So that oh. we have those. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, hopefully we'll be getting the hairless mice in as well, as well as just a regular haired mouse. And that's uh, the thing. If you work with hairless rats already, like once you, if you can make like rat pinks, like that's, you're already halfway there because a hairless pink or a hairless rat pink is the size of a small adult mouse. Yeah. So it, like that, that kind of works out, you know, especially into some of the bigger stuff. Yeah. Um, and, the, and then the reason, you know, we started doing another reason we started doing it was just seeing the power of supplementation with my Alterna collection where, wow. you know, you look at, uh, I think a lot of people have, and I, I experienced this with my first breedings where I had a lot of kinked animals coming out, mm -hmm. you know, and my temperatures were correct throughout it. 
uh, I don't think I had any issues like that, you know, and the animals develop, you know, a, a spine kink over time. And I think you look at, yeah, you know, I've anecdotally heard stories of guys back in the day, you know, paying people to go catch lizards for them and feeding mainly lizards to their alternate collection and having successful clutches with no kinking, solid babies coming out. It's made me think that, you know, there's something we're missing here. So when you look up, you know, a uh, nutritional breakdown of a lizard compared to a, a you know, lab rat or lab mouse, it's just completely different, the makeup of that animal. So what are we missing inside that, that, that prey item, you know? Once I started supplementing my, uh, my alterna, you know, even I had colors pop in my alterna where just oranges came out. The animals completely changed the way they look. And, uh, you know, this was, again, super anecdotal. You know, my last couple of clutches have been very robust babies, uh, absolutely no kinking at all, 100% success on, on feeding uh, and, and didn't lose any animals out of it, you know, opposed to the, the difficulty that I've struggled with in the past. So I think cremation definitely has a factor in that too, uh, mm-hmm. that rule out. But uh, just seeing the supplement change, uh, really, I thought, was really substantial. Are there plans for you to do it full time? Uh, that is ultimately where I would like to go for sure. For sure. As uh, being able to do that. I got you. And are you, so you're doing, you're doing roaches. You do it like you're doing bugs and, and rodents. Correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Right now we're working with dubia roaches, Madagascar, his and cockroaches and a few different type of isopod species, all stuff that's, uh, legal within the u.s to ship mm-hmm. across state lines um and then uh rats right now mice are coming online when, once we get the racks up i oh, gotcha the uh how are the in terms of producing the hissers versus dubia um i've done dubia in the past I've, I've become sensitized to them so i don't really mess with them anymore um very sensitized yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's don't yeah. don't downplay that as many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, like, are, how are the hissers producing those in comparison? Are those very similar in terms of the? Yeah, my once the Madagascar hissing cockroaches got going, I I started off with like 120 of them, and uh, yeah, yeah, they they took off. I had I, one as as a pet as a kid. I haven't had one since. Yeah. Well, you know, and we, it's funny, the amount that I sell as pets is more than what I sell as feeders. <laughs> Getting into them when I saw them, you know, and why I started doing them was like, you know, I, is there anybody that's selling a, a big doobie or a big Madagascar hissing cockroach for an affordable price? Yeah. You know, you go online and it's all $10 for two, you know, but you hear all these people telling monitor keepers, oh, you know, you should be feeding more insects, this and that. But then what option do they have? Right. You know, so having, so we're trying to have, you know, a really reasonably priced Madagascar hissing cockroach that, you know, bigger lizard keepers could come to and get. Yeah. Cause you can't really do like discoids and stuff in most places, right? Um, I, I've just never messed with them. I, I don't know the, I haven't messed with them. I'm fairly certain. Not, I can't even have those in Florida. The, the discoids, like the I'm bigger sure. stuff. Yeah. What are the ones that you can't have in Florida? Was it the lobster roach or something like that? Yeah, I think those are the are those are red runners. No, no, no. I think we're totally yeah. wrong. I think we're totally Maybe. wrong here. <laughs> I don't even. I don't know. I'm amazed that that I think you can't. 
think you can have dubia in Florida. I wouldn't no, be surprised. You, you definitely can't every, have dubia in Florida. Every I know bird that. species was banned in Florida. Yeah, fucking, it was funny. Fucking Florida, man. <laughs> well, you know, Florida, Florida doesn't mess around, man. When I was applying for my uh, my APHIS permit with um, for my isopods, um, I, I my wife helped me with it and took care of it while I was doing other stuff. And uh, she accidentally submitted it to Florida. I had just no intentions and in even trying to ship isopods to Florida because mm-hmm. for that reason going, I don't think Florida allows anything. Not even going to try. <laughs> but but she ended up applying to Florida and, and they gave me a phone call and they were like, Hey, uh, we just need you to send in voucher specimens of, uh, each of the species you've listed here. Uh, once our, uh, once our, uh, entomologist goes through and confirms that this is what it is, you know, we'll get you approved to be able to ship into Florida. And, uh, oh, wow. yeah, which I told, you know, I told, uh, I didn't even mean to apply. Don't worry about it. But the woman was very, very helpful and really like, well, no, we want you to be able to ship to Florida. You know, there's no reason why, why you can't you just got to do this. And, you know, so very helpful, very great people, but just wasn't, wasn't what the route I was trying to go anyway. <laughs> Imagine the stuff that entomologist sees. Oh yeah. The stuff that crosses his desk. <laughs> uh, just think about it too. It is not that at all. It's one of those things where the guy's going to deny it regardless, but he's just like, yeah, free bugs. Let's I'm go. Here, you know, let's see what's here. going over here. <laughs> It's a perk. So what's your what are you doing here with your rats currently? Like as far as the groups, like ratios and and rotations and like, uh, you know, recycling your groups and what kind of that schedule and whatnot. Yeah. So um, with with the way I'm running my my tubs right now, I have them paired up where I have uh, two females to a male per tub, and uh, you know, I, and I've heard counter arguments for doing it different ways that I think are very viable. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with looking at productivity of your individual females. Um, there's a, you know, the idea of having like a, a breeding pit where you're going to have multiple females in there and pull the females as you see them become pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, that's what I used to do as a kid. I just didn't want to dedicate the space to that and didn't think it was as, uh, as yeah good. Uh, but that's I think kind of what I do now, like if I have, clearly pregnant females i'll put them in like a separate maternity tub with you know two other uh, if i have other pregnant females as well i'll put them all together in sort of a maternity tub and have them sort of do their own thing and then i'll i have i have less males than i do females and i'll every other week you know i'll rotate a male to another tub and kind of mix things up a bit yeah and And i think there's well yeah, and I think there's definitely value in that. I think you'll probably uh, raise up more more babies kind of in general. But I pull so many pinkies that I keep my numbers pretty low uh, already so that the females aren't getting overwhelmed too much. I mean, I, dude, getting that group of rats I got recently, like that's one of the best things I've, I've ever done in terms of like my collection and things like that because they've been light years easier than, than mice. Because I had a, a real hitch with mice where I did not time grow outs and raising some up to replace, you know, retired breeders and stuff. And there's just a solid, like, they're just kind of now getting back to the point to where they're producing litters regularly. But, man, there was a point where for, like, months I was getting nothing out of them. And it was because I just, I didn't time it. It was actually this time last year because I was trying to get more, you know, small pinkies for baby snakes that were on their way um 
And so in anticipation of that, I just started taking every litter of, of small pinks that I could not even for whatever reason to completely skip my mind thinking, Oh, well, you know, next couple of litters, I'll just hold those back, hold those back. And I just didn't do that. And so I ended up really screwing myself on the, uh, on the pinky front there. And the rats are nice because a lot of the, you know, my yearling stuff and up rat pups are like the perfect size and I don't have to wait to, to get those big, like I would with the mice where I have to sit on them for an extra, you know, two weeks or so. Um, and those rats have been producing great and they've been, really easy to to deal with in terms of like introducing males into new groups and like shifting things around where like with mice you had to be so much more particular about that because males are just so brutal to each other all the time if you have multiple in there yeah with mice i would run it the same way i run my my uh my rats where i would just leave the male in there and not try to move them around that's how i always did mice back in the past uh i wouldn't even try moving a male around well, I'd have some groups for some reason where I'd have like a tub of females and like maybe I had a male in there and I'd moved him and then something happened. To, I don't, I don't know. I just lost track of, of what ratios I had. And, you know, I'd have some tubs that had two males for whatever reason. Um, like I said, it was just a, a you know, sort of a fiasco, but I've got it. I've got it sort of back on track now, but the rats, it's been so easy. It's so much easier, I think, with, with the rats to be able to tell what's really a male and what's really a female because you get some of those smaller mice that aren't you know fully mature yet and some of them it's it's kind of hard to tell what's what's male and what's female and getting those ratios right and but yeah i like yeah. The rats yeah i do rats are great rats are great uh, you know the problem is you end up with pet rats at the house too right so yeah you I, know. I got attached <laughs> to them pretty quickly i was like none of them are really mean or bitey or anything like that they're all very curious and they want nothing to do with me still but seeing those little faces and stuff i'm like damn it yeah and one of the lines of rats i'm working with is one that i started working with when i was eight years old and it's just crazy thinking that like these rats were the beginning of my hobby and getting into this and kind mm -hmm. of the evolution over time to be able to get those back in my uh in my racks felt very good to be able to have that line and keep it going strong are you doing anything for like water treatment at all? Uh, not currently. I haven't had too many issues with it. I have been thinking about running uh, like a, a UV light mm -hmm. inside of the uh, buckets and kind of maybe alternating it between. Not for any reason in particular, but just to try to, to just do something a little bit different. extra layer, yeah. Yeah. I've been doing uh, – I need to get more of them actually, but I put like two or three-inch copper couplings in the in the reservoirs with mine. That helps call a lot of the back, like keep a lot of the bacteria at bay because those copper ions just absolutely obliterate, you know, that slime you get yeah. on the inside after time. Yeah. That's always fun having to clean out the uh, nipples when they get clogged. Yeah. I haven't, yeah. I haven't had to deal with that, but that's just a childhood memory of having to suck on those things and, get that slime ball in your mouth accidentally. Yeah, I definitely wasn't that. doing that. Yeah. I had that happen with one tub in particular on the rat rack not long after I got it because I don't I don't know that the lines had ever been changed by the time I got it, and they were pretty old racks. And, uh, yeah, there was just this jelly plug right where the, the nozzle met with the hose, and the rats had chewed the line because I didn't have a, a clip on it, so the, the actual line was exposed in the tub so they could reach it. And because it had clogged up, they just chewed the line and completely emptied that five-gallon bucket into that tub. Yep. 
and I felt like all the rats were fine except for a couple of babies from a litter, but they were all like they had pushed all the substrate to the back and made like a little island, and they were all just like hovered over it. And I, you know, I had to I completely replaced the line after that because I was like, this is this is gross. It's probably time if this thing's getting this clogged, and the other lines probably aren't that far behind. Um, so I just replaced the whole thing, and I, you know, now I'm paranoid and I'm checking stuff constantly. And I think I I went ahead and replaced the other line on one of the other racks already just because it was just as old. And I said, it's probably got just as many problems as that one did. So, yeah. And that's the thing. Every time you're going through, you know, stick your finger on that nipple, make mm-hmm. sure it's dripping. And if you ever see, you know, your rats looking a little ratty, you know, you know, you got a problem with your water, you know, yep. drip right away, you know, and you'll be all right. Yeah. How often are you uh, cleaning everything? Are you just using tractor supply bedding type stuff? Anything in particular there? Yeah, I'm doing the uh, pine pellet down at the bottom with a uh, pine flake on top of that. And uh, I'm cleaning every four days or as needed, uh, okay. you know, so trying to keep it very, very clean. Uh, but yeah. I need, yeah, I've been wanting to do the, the pine pellet on the bottom as the extra layer. Jake and I were doing, so there's that really fine stuff that's made for like horse stalls. So it's almost it's, like it's that pellet like... that's like already expanded kind of deal. Huh. It's like we put um, a layer of that at the bottom with the mice and and stuff, and it it did a tremendous job of it's it's, the saw, it's sawdust. And, yeah, more or less. That's what it, no, but that's literally what it's sold as is sawdust. Like it's it's bagged up sawdust. It lasts a really long time. It clumps really really well. But now that you say that, like it's the pellets broken down already. Like that yep. makes perfect sense but like they whenever i bought it because like when me and smitty were doing these when we're doing the wives together now i don't i just i wish i could but i don't have time for it anymore unfortunately it won't make time for me it's <laughs> not that i won't i really wish i could especially you now that you have want to come rats. hang out with me smitty i would remember our, mo- our sunday mornings together i do and i loved those sunday mornings but now sunday's Sunday mornings, I get to sleep. Well, that's and, good because I've switched to Saturdays now. So, well, Saturdays are literally taken up of about eight hours worth of cleaning. So that's about how my Saturdays go now. But it's your story, and you're sticking to it, buddy. It's not that I'm sticking to it; it's just a fact. <laughs> Working two jobs and all these snakes takes a lot out of me um so it's i don't really have a choice at this point trust me when i can cut down on my second job you can bet i'm coming back (laughs) but um no that sawdust really did really really well you know it's like the the piss and all that would kind of come through the filter through the yeah and and it would absorb in the sawdust and it it worked really well you know like i really like the sawdust and man that stuff lasted a while because you didn't need a lot to go a long way and it it, it was good stuff yeah yeah i really liked it i i never used it again as a kid when i was working at the pet shop we'd just go straight pine bedding and that always seemed to work just fine um but again you know having a full-time job currently on top of doing this it does mitigate some of the time that I can mm-hmm. rationally spend there, you know, when, when we're working full steam, you know, I'm, I'm getting out of there at 
12 o'clock at night, then getting out to the shop and not getting home until four in the morning and then waking up and doing it again the next day, you know, eight o'clock the next day. So yeah. it's just, you know, it's, it's a lot. Um, but, and I feel like that definitely does help. Yeah. Anything you can cut down on for time purposes, man, is, is a help. I tell you, one of the biggest things that has helped me for time management on these just dealing with snakes, obviously, I don't deal with rodents. I have to buy everything now because I don't have time to be able to go help Smitty with rodent stuff, you know. And But right now, I buy everything. But one of the biggest things that help me with time is buying, like, double, if not triple, like, of my plastic water dishes. And I just wash them in my dishwasher. And I just through everything and just take out the old one throw it to the side and replace it with a new one and rock and roll you know it's just... that is yeah buying water bowls I, i'm always constantly anytime i see them on sale i'm at the grocery store walking by and i use those little like um cups you would use for a uh man what's that like the dessert with like the crispy top on the top the sugar i don't know yeah like, yeah so i use those little cups and and they work great you know and you can get them on sale for a dollar each you know yeah and i'll stock up on those when i see them and yeah i have spare ones in there and it's always a rotation and the other yeah, ones I, get bleached and go outside for a little bit and then get put in the dishwasher i tell you man that's exactly what i do like all my everything in a rack it's just a plastic tub anything bigger i use a dog bowl and a blit and a big plastic tub to go inside of the dog bowl and anything that just has a plastic tub i you know empty the water dish put a brand new one in there fill it up throw the old one to the side throw it in the dishwasher and yeah it's it's helped my cleaning tenfold tenfold man like i don't have to worry about dirty water dishes if something shits inside of a water dish i can just throw it to the side, give them a brand new one. No worries about disinfecting, taking all that time to let disinfect. Oh, that reminds me, I gotta buy more zip. I'm out. I dude, I tell you, doing the method I do now, I go through way less cleaner. Like way less paper towels, way less cleaning products. Like it's Yeah, I have a wife awesome. that won't let me wash that stuff in the dishwasher, so well, you need to tell her to get over it. It's a dishwasher. Okay, you, you tell her that. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll tell her the benefits of it. And be like, Sending hey, man, your buddy into battle, man. Jeez. You'll, you'll <laughs> you're setting him up for failure here. Leave him alone. Lining himself up for failure. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like you put it in perspective. You say, you, hey, we'll, we'll get more time to hang out and cuddle and stuff. If I want to watch you jump on this grenade. Dishwasher. I'll hey, do it. That's I'll a buddy that's willing to go to bat for you, man. That's a, I'll, I want to hang on to that one. You. You're walking right you. into the lion's den, buddy. <laughs> I, I will do it. I'm telling you, I used my dishwasher. It was more like a, hey, I'm going to do this now. And that was that. So I'll do it for you, buddy. I'll jump right into that lion's den. Sweetheart, I didn't know he was going to say that. You're right. I'll never invite him over again. Don't worry. I can't believe it. Jake <laughs> <laughs> more than she likes me. He's never allowed back in the house. Katie loves me, so I got to keep that keep that, keep that, that stable. Cause... He tries to feed him all the time, and he's like, no, I'm not hungry. 
He really, she really does. Every time Everybody I go over there, she offers me food, and I'm like, oh, I already ate. Yeah. I need to stop eating dinner before I go over there for the podcast because the one time you do that, we're not gonna have any for you. <laughs> I highly doubt that. That's I don't think there's been a single time I go over there. She's like, oh, you want something to eat? You want some food? And I'm like, oh, I already ate. When in actuality, I just scarfed down like two Burger King sandwiches and <laughs> on my way there. Like, are you offering the rats and stuff any? You know, you adding like fruits and vegetables at all or anything like that? Uh, yeah, we'll mix in uh, carrots with there. I do. I feed a lot of carrots, especially to the to the rodent or to the uh, insects, mm-hmm. and so we'll mix carrots in there with um, um some fresh veggies. But uh, you know, one of the things if you know, if it's a real loaded tub and you start doing that, it'll give them the runs a little bit and then you end up having them, you know, crap all over their babies. Right. So I I do kind of limit some of that. Yeah. I give my mind go crazy over some sweet potato. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cut up. Like usually we have some sit around the house that start sprouting roots and we're like, okay, these need to go. So I'll take them and chop them up into small squares and stuff. And then the mice love them. The rats love them. African softwares, I'm sure, will love them. We just got some of those recently. Are you planning to jump into those at all? You know, I was looking at African softwares, and, and I might as, you know, if I get more interest in them. Uh, it did seem like a little bit more of a, you know, that you have to start the colony together and, and you know, run yeah. them like that, where I just wasn't necessarily interested in doing that. Um, a route I kind of want to try, and I got to look up the logistics of it, but trying to do some native uh, mouse species. Uh, just try to do something different, you know, especially when you're looking at, I I can only imagine how small a pinky is for something like that. I think that might be Mm -hmm. very helpful for trying to get some of these smaller colubrids and, uh, different species to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I have these, I got these softwares from Casey. He brought them down last weekend and I think one of them died in transit and we named him Jimmy lovingly and, uh, his, his, Jimmy His buddies, mauled. oh my god, dude! There was two of them that were like fighting over that the carcass. Was, it was like it was just sure. ridiculous. That was disgusting, was like, dude. Like, these things are horrible already. They were ripping that thing apart. It was, it was bad. It was really bad. Like I go over there now to check on stuff, and I'm like, God, I hope it's not a bloodbath. I've had, I think, two die, but I think they were, they were definitely older ones in the group, so. Kind of whatever. Yeah. I don't. I'm pretty much breeding them for Casey, so I don't. I don't really have any plans to really use them, at least currently, while I'm sort of getting things going with them. But he's like, yeah, like he had some, and they, you know, were chewing out of the bins, and I'm like, I swear to God, if I get these things and they start chewing out of these tubs, I'm gonna be pissed because the mouse rack in particular uses these cat litter pans that you can't even find anymore. Like PetSmart discontinued them. Oh, those are gonna be really thin, huh? So I'm kind. Of, no, I mean they're actually pretty thick, but I'm like, I have basically two sets of eight because i have eight two racks of four and so if i'm if i get shorted one then if i start losing tubs that i can't find again like it's gonna be kind of a problem so you probably find a replacement somewhere i'm monitoring them very closely making sure they have plenty of things to eat on so they can not chew on the tub yeah then you're gonna get the one that decides it's going I have started to like I get I get Cheerios, not honey nut, but just regular Cheerios. Um 
everything loves those two. And so I'll take that box actually. And what I've done with the rats that are in the bigger concrete mixers, I'll take that empty box and just put it in there. And then that gives them something to kind of do. Like they seem to really like to tear it apart and then we'll make little like huts and cover out of it and stuff like that. So now that's something I've started doing is like, even with the softwares, I just took like a box and ripped it in half um, and just put it in there and they seem to enjoy kind of playing around in that. So yeah. enrichment. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And you know, and that's, you know, we, end up sit there playing with the rats and you know it's, it's they're they're taken care of it's not something that i look at just as a as a prey item and that's all it is you know it, it's got a little life that it's living too yeah man try to make its time as nice with me as possible that's that's where i'm at with it and that's you know rob stone he said you know love your feeders and i yeah you got to man i do man yeah i think you know over time of doing anything right you get to the point where you know kind of you just don't see it for what it is you know and i think that's something that people have to stay cognizant of you know yeah they're food but doesn't mean you can't care about them you know just at least make their make their their short time here as comfortable as possible yeah considering the end uh end result you know that's like that's just a simple respect man yeah even if like you know i had stuff that Everybody knows this. I've talked about it. Like I had, I had several animals that had, you know, not several. I had a few animals that had not a virus, and I kind of spread through my collection, you know. And I, I made them as comfortable as possible, separated them, and you know, I did what I could for them as long as I could until they were showing signs that they were really bad, and you know, I put them out of out of their misery at that point. And I feel like it's the same thing for feeders, man. Like you gotta, yes, they're just feeders. And I feel like there's too many people that look at them as just feeders. So they give them the minimal care as possible. But, you know, I like talking to people like you, Lewis, who actually really give a damn about what goes into them and, you know, the life that they live for the period that we have them, even if it's literally for a day for some stuff, because we need red hot pinkies for really small animals, you know, at least they're healthy, you know, and the parents lived a long, happy, healthy life. And now it's time for them to hit the natural cycle of things, you know, it's, it's the truth of the world, right? Stuff has to die so other stuff can live. Uh, exactly. Do your best with it for the time that you have it, you know. Yeah. It's a respect thing, man. You know, it's everything's got a life and you have to respect that, you know, because we we have the same thing. We're yeah. no different. We're no different from a mouse or a rat just because we live longer. You know, like it's, you know, some people may laugh at that, but that's just the way I look at it. You know, things got a life. It's like for me too, it's, you know, knowing how smart rats are and they're very intelligent. If I were a rat and I was in a tub with nothing to do with three of my buddies all day, I'd probably go crazy too. So, yeah, Yeah. especially in the heat now that it's starting to warm up, it's like. Have to get like a massive fan or something to kind of well that yeah that's one thing too man is you got to keep your temperatures in control as it gets hotter because it'll start to affect your male sperm and mm-hmm. you're not your productivity is going to sh- you know drop real quick yeah well fortunately the like the the shed sort of setup that I have them in like the ceilings are really tall so it doesn't get ungodly hot like it would in a smaller space it's actually 
for the most part, pretty tolerable in there. Yeah. Yeah, that optimal temperature you're looking for is 72. Oh, they're definitely not going to be getting that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know about that. But... Would, can, we, can, we, can we settle for, like, uh, can I interest like you in a solid 82? <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely get fluctuation in my shop, for sure, for sure. Uh, we'll see. I just upgraded to a uh, bigger building, so we'll see how the summer goes. Um, but Yeah, the pictures our- of it look awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. I take a take a lot of pride in keeping it clean. Keeping it clean. It's definitely hard to do, especially when you're dealing with shavings and stuff. I feel like the the floor of the the shed that mine are in is like it's just an entire layer of pine that's somehow ended up dirt. Pine and dirt. Yeah. Just the just the dust. You know, when we that moved too. out of that last building we were in, I literally got got a respirator and went in there with a mm-hmm. uh, a leaf blower and opened up oh, the bay man. doors and just. I mean, you couldn't see in there at a certain point. And I, I'd only been in that shop for, you know, eight months. Yeah. And it was like, holy crap. <laughs> it's, it's like that now on cleaning days for me, man. Like by the time I'm done cleaning everything, like my nose is so runny and I'm like super snotty and just like, I don't, I think it's mostly dust. I hope I'm not getting sensitized to, to the rodents too. I'm not, I don't like break out or anything like that, but I definitely like get really snotty. It's pretty gross. Dude, it got bad when me and you were working with mice. I would get there, no problems. Oh, like, it's I, way worse now with the rats. Dude, I have bad allergies as it is to like pollen and stuff. Like it's it, it's really bad, especially this year has been the worst I've pretty much ever had. You put pain shab in that shed, he would probably die. Dude, he honestly likely would. He'd go into like a fucking asthma attack. Type He's allergic of, to everything. Everything. Thing. I don't know how he's survived as long as he has. Like he's allergic to just aspen shavings. Like just, just <laughs> like aspen. every picture you see of him with a snake, he's wearing a glove. Yeah. That'd be difficult. Yeah, I was lucky enough. We I kept Doobie at my house for six years in my uh in my spare bedroom, and it just got to the point when it's wall to wall tubs. I'm like, this shouldn't be in my house. I should really get this <laughs> yeah. out. Like, this is I ridiculous. Did, I didn't even have that much, and I got sensitized to them pretty bad. And I, I mean, there was at least twice where I'd clean out the, you know, the one like fifty plus gallon tub that I had of them, and the, just the dust and like frass and stuff from that, dude. Like, I could feel my throat closing up. Um. Like got hard to breathe, like legitimately to where I had to take Benadryl or something just to, and like sit down for a while just because it was it was bad, wow. really rough. Yes. So after a while, I was like, okay, I'm done with these. Like I just I'll buy them, you know. I don't really have any. I, it got to a point where I didn't really have anything that ate them anymore anyway. So I was like, there's really no point in. Yeah, doing you this got myself. you got really bad with the dubia for a while there, man. I was glad we kind of shut that off. Yeah, it was so scary, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty wild. I haven't experienced that lucky enough. I've been, I'm very happy that I haven't. Well, the oddest, that. yeah, the oddest thing too is like, you know, Wyman said, are you allergic to, to like shrimp and shellfish now? Which I'm not because I mean, we eat shrimp and stuff here all the time. But he's like, normally there's kind of a, they go in tandem at that rate. But I don't know. It's, it sucks because I'm really not allergic to anything except for, you know, seasonal allergies either. Like I'm not allergic like deathly allergic to anything but damn it man if that dubia dust doesn't put me on my ass it's uh it's wild yeah 
Yeah, and even with our our dubias, you know, we feed a um, a low protein diet to try to limit you know the uric acid buildup that they get, uh, you know, to help with you know avoiding gout and your reptiles and stuff like that. So you know, I wonder how much of a kind of a factor like that, where it's just you know, I don't know if you're feeding like a commercial diet or something like that. I wonder if that played a factor in it or something. Um, I fed. I don't know that it'd necessarily be like a commercial diet, but definitely like a, a child that had like bee pollen. And then when I had a lot of cresteds, any of the Pangea that wasn't eaten, you know, they'd, they'd get whatever's left of that because that stuff was expensive and I didn't want it to go to waste. Um, you know, vegetables, sort of the the usual, a lot of oranges. Um, now I just have the mealworms and stuff that I deal with and that's that's it as far as feeders go. Yeah, I've been trying with mealworms for a while, and man, I, I struggle with mealworms. I, I don't understand it. Well, apparently, the secret is you just have to ignore their existence. Dude, great. Do you still have that mealworm colony I gave you? Yeah. Dude. There's not nearly as many in there as there was when I got it because I'm. Dude, I'm telling you, get a lot of them, but it's still going strong, man. If I just ignore it and like leave it be explodes just put some food in there and like that's all you gotta do those things like i i'm not kidding you dude i left those things alone for in a black closet i don't know how long (laughs) like i put them in my closet and i just like i thought there's a few like good breeder ones in there and one day colony i ever saw dude one thing one day i opened it up I didn't clean it. I didn't do. I, I hardly even fed them, to be honest. It sounds bad, but like I put the mealworm chow in there, so like they ate the bedding, and I pretty much just added to that over time. And I had, you know, a couple. I had a group of Chinese cave geckos, and that's what I was using them for. One day, I opened that thing up, and I kind of dug through there, and there were thousands of mealworms. It's like, like a fifteen quart tub. I'm telling you, man, there were hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of mealworms. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Why are you still alive? This is ridiculous. Like, I gave them the bedding that they could eat. You know, I bought good mealworm chow for them that was bedding that they ate. But good God. See, now what I do is I just take, again, a bag of Cheerios and I take a a food processor and I just grind it up real fine so it's almost like a flour and that's what I use. They they reproduced like crazy. And I literally bought like a couple tubs of PetSmart mealworms. I just dumped them in there and they reproduced like mad. Cheerios for the secret. As I say, I guess I'm going to have to go get a box of Cheerios and uh, give it a go. I didn't even use Cheerios. I, I didn't even use Cheerios. No. <laughs> I was using like, I used, like wheat flour and wheat bran before, and I was like, I there bought... really can't be anything to this. So that's when I was like, let me grind up Cheerios real fine and just use Dude, that. And that works oh. great. I just dump a new bag in after I processed it every you know other month, every two months. All I did was oh. I bought the, the rainbow mealworm chow like in a bag. Like I just bought that and dumped it in there. Those things, like, dude, I'm telling you, brand. when I probably had a thousand mealworms in a 15 quart tub, I'm not shitting you. I had so many mealworms that I didn't even know what to do with. Do with. 
you know, and I left the, and this sounds, it's probably going to sound bad. I, again, I had a very small group of geckos and I had way more mealworms that I could shake a stick at. But like, I would leave the carcasses in there and eventually the, like of the roaches that would grow from the mealworms, I'll leave those in there and they would eventually just disappear. Like, I just left all those things in there and they would eat them up and, I think they'll definitely eat the pupae and stuff if they, yeah. if they have nothing else to eat. Had a new chow every couple weeks, and my God, if I didn't get more mealworms than I could ever imagine, like, it was kind of ridiculous. I just gave Justin the whole time. I was like, do whatever you want with these. <laughs> the Ackies were happy. Oh, yeah. I had, there was a ton, a ton of mealworms. Never seen so many mealworms in my freaking life. <laughs> well, I'll have to give it another go and hope the uh, mealworm magic rubs off on me because I, I need it. Keep them in a dark closet, man. I did have a hard time with superworms. I tried superworms for a while and I I could not find the sweet spot with those. Yeah. But I think you got to separate the pupa from those because they will definitely eat those before they like fully form into the dark wings and stuff and. I don't know. There's just more superworms. I think take a lot longer, and then you can't just kind of let them go on their own like you can with mealworms. No. Yeah, mealworms. Like, dude, I didn't do anything. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Like, I added food. That was it. Like, and I would like dig up, and they always went to the corners. I would just dig up a corner mm -hmm. and just they pick still out, do that. It's weird. I would just pick out the biggest ones that worked for the cave geckos and. That was it, because there was like a hundred something to pick from, and I just grabbed the biggest ones that worked for the geckos. And the other ones grew up. There was probably I, I think when I gave you the the bin, there's probably fifty to a hundred roaches in there that were just crawling around, just doing the damn thing. It was it was nuts, man. Yep. I've never bred anything as successful as success, success successfully. Yeah, I can't say it as I did with mealworms. <laughs> like I, that, those were just ridiculous. But we're at the. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say it's kind of funny. You put all the effort in the world and then get nothing, and yeah. then uh, not try it all and, and crush it. That's just how yeah. it works. Yes. I, I tell you, I thought about just trying to get a bunch of groups of mealworms and just like mass producing them to sell, like just because of how easy and non like they just it took nothing. Like, granted, they probably like I could have supplemented more. I'm not gonna lie, like, I'm not gonna bullshit and say I put a lot into all these mealworm, mealworms. I definitely could have given them more, like carrots and stuff because they would be like embedded like because i would throw like carrots and oh yeah they sweet go potatoes in there them. like they would like embed themselves into these carrots you know but they would get nasty and shit real quick and you know but my god that those things produced like mad i bet you when i gave you that tub of mealworms there was probably a thousand mealworms from those things dude it was it was kind of crazy We're at the 220 mark. Uh, if people want to get in touch as far as, you know, if they're in Texas or if you're 
you know, whenever you get the shipping stuff sort of sorted out, where, where can people follow yes, what you're doing or get in, get in touch? Yeah, yeah, we do offer shipping for our insects. So if you're looking for anything from there, uh, let us know. Uh, we ship all over. Uh, and you can check us out on littleshopofhorrors.com. It's L-I-L-S shopofhorrors.com. And then we're on Facebook, Instagram, all under Lil's Shop of Horrors. And uh, yeah, you hit me up on my personal Facebook. My name is Louis Batoe. Uh, happy to help you guys in any way or just talk snakes. Yeah, man. Awesome. Telling you, I'm going to be in touch, man, because I buy a lot of feeders and I'm all about the, the smaller guys and that actually put more work into their rodents. So as soon as you can ship, you can, I'm going to be one of your Boutique best feeders. I'm going to be one of your best customers. I can I appreciate promise it. I, appreciate I can promise you that. <laughs> well, we look forward to being able to support your collection and, and help you get where you want to get to for sure. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So I'll definitely be in touch. This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram, use that code T H N at checkout. Save some money. You need a rack. You need a cage. Get yourself something nice. You won't be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. Especially with these new rack features they're dropping. I have an entire wall of black box that isn't even the updated stuff. This is a couple years old stuff. The new stuff they're dropping. They've done some massive changes that are very much worth looking into. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but if you go to blackboxcages.com and you just scroll down on the homepage, it says like new rack features. Click that and check it out or hop on the uh, Facebook and Instagram um, we've been doing posts about all the new features individually that kind of explain why they've done them and, and what their sort of purpose is. And uh, you just give give us a follow. Just check it out. Uh, and then hot sauce. You need it. But you need Venom Hot Sauce from Steve Snakeshuary. It is delicious. Collect them all. Um, it's like the Flintstones mugs from McDonald's back in the day. Get them all. Every single one of them. Buy the whole set. You can buy them individually, but you can also just get the whole the whole run. Uh, that's, the cool thing about the, that's the cool thing about those. You get them. It makes a cool little display in your snake room. Because let's face it, everybody who keeps snakes likes a little bit of wall art. And if you get these cool hot sauce bottles, you can use them up. Even if you don't like hot sauce, you can get them. Make a cool little display. And you're supporting a good dude doing good things. Yeah. He's a first responder doing a lot of cool shit and he also does a lot of outreach and a lot of shows and just a lot of education all Relocations. around. So. He takes in stuff that people don't yeah. want that gets, you know, I don't know if it's something that he gets like animal control calls him when people just abandon things or what, but he it ends seems up with some like, pretty wacky stuff. It seems like they do. It seems like he's kind of the go-to guy for when the fire department gets called for a random or anybody. Any I think he got of... some some boas and a retic recently. Yeah, he's he gets a lot of random stuff. And some he... of them come in pretty rough shape too, so it's neat to see sort of the progression because he, you know, he obviously takes them and he, you know, gets them on the mend and gets them on the up and up and seeing sort of the progression of how they showed up versus. How yeah. where he gets them after a couple weeks, you know, it's pretty pretty cool. It, it shows the type of care that he provides for his animals. Like it, it really does. He's got some really roughed up animals that he's just completely turned around. So definitely look into that and 
everything he's doing. It's it's really incredible. We will be back Monday night for Snakes and Stogies. Um, might have a pretty interesting guest lined up. Not going to hint any hints because it's not set in stone yet. But if it does happen, it will be a very good episode, and I'm very excited about it. Um, other than that, I think we have Corn Stars next week. I need to talk to Chris. He has a He has a hole in his schedule, so... We'll see. I'll let you know, Jake. Yeah, I'm good, man. Lewis, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been an awesome educational packed episode. This was absolutely great. Um, We'll definitely be in touch, and I hope a lot of people get in touch with you after this episode um, because you provide a lot of cool services, and I think it sounds like there's a lot of potential to come in the future, so... Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on, guys. It was great talking to you guys. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. We'll have to we'll have to do a updated episode in the future and see how far you've come and go from there. Sounds great. Anytime. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Good night.